0: What's going on, fellow A-plussers? Plusers? is I, your host, as always, Adam Perez, back once again with a brand new episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, television, and movie news streaming live for you guys today over on our YouTube page. You can also catch us live over on Facebook as well as Twitch for you gamers out there. And then, of course, this particular episode will be dropping later on this evening or first thing in the morning for you Spotify listeners. Uh, So if you like your audio versions of the show, you can definitely expect it over on spotify Uh, but spotify does now also do video so if you want to go ahead and follow us on spotify there is a link in the description box below guys we definitely love you to follow us over there as well so um happy sunday ladies and gentlemen so good to see everybody here today wrapping up your week the right way as we've got ourselves six main topics that we're going to be getting into we also have a couple of honorable mentions at the top of this particular episode we'll be diving into as well Uh, and you can definitely check us out um, uh, hitting up your live viewer questions towards the end of this show. So if you have not submitted your live viewer questions, feel free to go ahead and submit them right now. Uh, go over to our YouTube page, click on that community tab, and there is a live viewer question post for you guys. to so definitely go ahead and uh, submit them. Over there, if you'd like to. Um, so it's not just myself today, we don't have ourselves the full crew. Um, but as always, good old Indy Uchia certainly joining us today. What's going on, brother? You got the, the the tank top going on? Is it hot over there today in Wisconsin? What's going on, man? man it's like 91 degrees. I'm, oh, not, I, oh, I'm crying for you. It's like a 100 over here, bro. Yeah, Get out of here.
1: We're we not used to this, though, man. We're not used to this. I mean, you, 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 a Texas boy, y'all supposed to have heat, you know. We, Absolutely. We're over here boiling. We ain't had rain in a couple of days. We feeling just like y'all right now.
0: Yeah, man. It's um, it's, it's pretty hot everywhere right now. Um, I don't know how what our our streak is when it comes to heat yet here in Texas. But I hear like the next three years is supposed to be pretty brutal. Um, So we'll see, man. So you stay uh, you stay as cool as you can over there, Indy, because it's it's going to get hot, brother plus it's cat hair on everything i own right now so <laughs> trust me i know the i know the feeling man we got dog <laughs> hair everywhere um got a little boy that's like crawling around walking around it feels like there's uh hair everywhere on him when i pick him up you know what i mean yeah um uh, but it's good to have you here man how's your week been bro uh week's been good
1: man uh got to, got to see the kids this week uh got to see black i got a lot of watching television in you know like it was real calm got to see got to see the kids got to watch black clover you know what I'm saying secret invasion um uh watched uh the erza or Ur, uh Urza, Ezra? Ezra millerless version of the flash
0: <laughs> i don't even know how that's possible but okay I just,
1: I just watched all the clips he wasn't part of <laughs> was uh, that like
0: 30 minutes of the movie
1: yeah yeah and it was the best part it was the best part of best parts of the movie so from from what I hear so it was real
0: good Love it, man. Love it. And if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out uh, Indy's Secret Invasion review, uh, he has in fact posted it. It is up on the YouTube page. Definitely go ahead and check it out. We'll probably talk a little bit about the series uh, itself uh, and all the drama certainly surrounding it here in the top of uh, top of the top topic that we're going to get into. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check out his Secret Invasion review when you get the chance. Uh, when can people expect that for you on a regular basis, Indy?
1: Uh they y'all could expect that every Thursday. Every okay. Thursday y'all can see it up there. Um just like y'all can expect now to have uh anime assembled every Monday.
0: Ooh, okay. So you and John got something dropping tomorrow? Yes, we do. OK, awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, anime heads definitely keep an eye out uh, for tomorrow as well. Um, let's see who who we got in here today uh, for some shout outs. We got Enrique Perez in the house. What's going on, man? He said, I just saw that Marvel Studios is skipping San Diego Comic-Con uh, along with Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse and El Muerto uh, is delayed. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that here in a little bit. Good old Blossom is certainly joining us. What's up, L'Oreal? Uh, we got Ram Jam in the house. How's it going, Adam? Hope all is well. Things are going spectacularly fine. Uh, we got Marcelino in the house. Hello, everyone. I forgot to say this last week, but happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth. Crazy to think that June has three holidays. Yeah, June is uh, June's pretty popping right now. Um, and, of course, seeing a nerd in the house. What's up, uh, Sarah and Will? Thank you guys uh, for certainly joining us today. Um, but yeah, guys, and listen, if we—if uh, you're in the live chat, uh, feel free to hit that like button. It definitely does go a long way. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, you could certainly do that. There are definitely free options in regards to supporting the channel. Leave some comments. That definitely does go a long way also. Uh, if you would like to support the channel monetarily, uh, we do have Super Chats available. Um, so feel free to go ahead and support the channel that way. Your Super Chat comment will be the first thing brought up on screen. We'll address you immediately we'll kind of stop everything that we're doing to kind of give you the spotlight to show your support for the channel they also have like super images or something like that super stickers i think you can um go ahead and support the channel via that way if you'd like to but again if you um if you can't help us out monetarily uh to certainly grow this channel a like subscribe and share definitely does go a long way guys so thank you so much for that um indy uh, you want to get into some uh honorable mentions with me today yeah, let's go for it. Um, I don't know if you've got anything on the docket that you wanted to bring up or something that we already have uh, set up for you guys. Set up for us.
1: Uh, well, basically, the only thing that I've really been following this week, which I've been paying a lot of attention to, as you guys know, I am a gamer at heart. You know, mm-hmm. um, other than being an anime fan, it's, it's one of the things that I do regularly is a uh, game and stream. But um, I've been paying a lot of attention to that, uh, to that FTC trial for Xbox. And I'm feeling like right now that there's no way to hold Xbox back from acquiring Activision Blizzard mm. because the w- the way they just laid it out on how PlayStation um just paid, you know what I'm saying, in order for Final Fantasy 16 to skip or how Starfield was going to skip Xbox altogether before the ZeniMax uh, acquisition, mm. you know what I'm saying, everything like that, that what, the the thing that Sony's crying about that Xbox is doing is stuff that they've been doing forever mm-hmm. and that and that is not going to hurt the market um phil spencer got on the stand and just you know what i'm saying just laid it out how it is uh he basically said that uh he told the judge i would do whatever it takes to keep call of duty on playstation uh and then the judge reminded spencer that he was under oath and he said i will raise my hand i would do whatever it takes we have no plan i'm making a commitment standing here that we will not pull uh call the of duty off of a uh, uh from playstation fans it is my testimony uh from playstation and then uh he uh, when i talked about the starfield skip he said that um he revealed that there were fears within microsoft the starfield was going to be uh, a playstation exclusive following exclusive exclusivity agreements with ghostwire tokyo and Deathloop that all changed that microsoft bought xenomax and bethesda which both uh both of those games were uh shown as playstation exclusives and only came to xbox later after the acquisition so i just feel that the claims that everybody else has are factually weak and it's a stretch that uh this acquisition is actually going to harm anybody else uh, if you think about it every version of my Mi- every version of uh, minecraft which is owned by xbox is available everywhere um all the zynga and um Take two stuff is still all everywhere. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to pull Grand Theft Auto off of different systems and stuff like that. So it just looks like we're just waiting for every all the dust to settle so we can get this acquisition done and get back to gaming as it should be done.
0: Yeah, man, I certainly hope so. Um, I got to tell you, I, I need to get me a new system regardless because uh, I, I, my Xbox One is crapped out on me. So I need to get a replace so I can get back into my gaming.
1: I'm you you know, you know what I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna, <laughs> what, I, you dude? know what I'm gonna do for you. I have an extra one here. I'm gonna send you a Series S. What? I'm gonna send you an Xbox Series S. I have a, I have an extra one here. We just like got a
0: little, extra one just laying around. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In all honesty, yes. <laughs> so I'm i am uh, I'm a, I'm gonna send you one. I have the one that she I bro, got okay. that I got uh, from when I was uh, still working at GameStop. Uh, so, and then okay. I have I have my personalized custom one, the one that I actually play. Damn, that's so, a, nice, a, bro. We'll re- re- chop that up and I'll send you that uh the end of next week.
0: Okay, yeah, because the brother needs. I- I'm trying to get back into my gaming, man. I got games that are still wrapped up because I never got a chance to even open up and play them right now. So yeah. yeah.
1: You let us know in the chat if you want us to get uh, Adam streaming. If y'all want an A-plus streaming session where we all just go <laughs> online like RDC and just play games.
0: I mean, we do have a Twitch channel. Um, You know, we just post Hero Report up there also. We don't we haven't even played a game up there in forever. We used to have Stuart that I think was playing like Elder Scrolls for us, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely need some more gaming uh, up on our Twitch, uh, Twitch channel for sure. Um, let's see here. What other honorable mentions we got? Oh, I do want to highlight this. Um, because you know, there's been a lot of talk lately after the flash wind up dropping that we could potentially be, you know, we could have potentially gotten ourselves a Michael Keaton sort of uh, Batman Beyond movie, uh, depending on the success of what the Flash movie certainly did. Uh clearly things aren't looking too well for the Flash movie at the box office right now. So the idea of Michael Keaton returning as Batman might be um you know, dead on arrival sort of thing, who certainly knows. Um, But uh, one DCU film that was, in fact, scrapped, uh, that did have Michael Keaton in it, was, in fact, Batgirl. Um, Batgirl this week, for some reason, went ahead and released some behind-the-scenes photos, if you will, um, of production. Um, Here you get to see Gotham City, um, Batgirl, and Michael Keaton's Batman in an alleyway. You got the classic Batmobile there as well. Um, We even get this shot, which I I would assume is like the behind the scenes of maybe like a director or the editing bay, whoever, who who certainly knows. But you get to clearly see there's definitely a lot of Batman, Michael Keaton in this particular film. I love the aesthetics of everything that I'm seeing in here, um, Indy. When I I look at this, it feels like I'm kind of brought back to the Tim Burton world of Batman. I think they've done a really good job of sort of um, setting that world there. But uh, it looks great to me, man. Unfortunately, this is a film that we're probably never going to see. Uh, They've been pretty open about the idea that they canceled this movie for a tax write-off. Um, but, man, Indy, I got to admit, man, get an opportunity to see some of these photos again. I really wanted this movie, bro. I,
1: I wanted this movie more than I wanted The Flash, to be totally honest with you. Um, this this movie looked like it was going to be something special, something incredible. And if you Zack Snyder fans really want to get behind something, you know what I'm saying? Get behind the Free the Batgirl movement. <laughs> like, like <laughs> rele- releases. It is no reason why this movie couldn't have came to HBO Max. Um, Other than the fact that maybe I'm starting to think that it's like something where this where this movie was going to be better than anything that they were going to make in the in the future. And then it was going to end up in that type of thing where they would have that Zack Snyder information where we're going. No, this was better. Finish this. Give us this. You know, what I'm saying the where you're going isn't good. We want to finish this. And that's the reason he's like, oh, no, we got to trash this because it's going to make us go in a whole different direction from where we want to go.
0: Yeah, i mean i'm kind of in lines with you there i don't know if i if i originally thought that to begin with but after seeing how the flash is performing box office wise and really sort of the downward trajectory of um the box office for dcu uh, dceu movies um you know while they say the screen tests were horrible i've heard some people talk about the idea that The movie was pretty solid, that it wasn't as bad as some people were saying that it was. Who knows if we'll ever have the opportunity to check it out. But there is a there is a narrative that I'm starting to form in my head. The idea that maybe they maybe this was a good movie Uh, and the idea of them releasing this would just sort of give other people ammo in a sense of, you know, this is the world. This is the direction you guys should certainly continue to go. Um, And maybe kind of throw off any plans that David Zaslav and James Gunn and Peter Safran certainly might have had for the future. Uh, So maybe this is a film that they had to hide away. um, Let a couple of bad DCEU DCEU movies certainly happen. uh, And kind of bring down that. Downward trajectory to give them excuse in the sense of see this is why we need um, to reboot this universe in the first place, uh, because of the content that's putting out, you know, there's a part of me that believes that but then there's another part of me that's like, you know, as a as a studio, you know, nobody wants to put out trash, right? Like nobody, like, there's a lot of people's jobs and crews and directors, like jobs that are on the line for movies that certainly underperform. And so, you know, there's a part of me that wants to think that Warner Brothers Discovery wouldn't just throw money away like that. Because I do think the idea of having such a negative outlook on your movies, regardless if you reboot something, can really damage your reputation in the future. And so, you know, there's a, that's probably the reason why I don't fully believe that that's why they scrapped Batgirl. But there is a little part of me that's like I kind of think that they did. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in between, and maybe the truth will eventually come out one day. So we'll have to see.
1: Or maybe the movie will actually come out one day. I maybe don't. I, only, I don't even care if the truth comes out. So I just want the movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Nurse says, "Yeah, it is tracking behind Black Adam. Looks like The Rock will have the last laugh here." Yeah, I mean, you know, in hindsight when you look at what the Black what Black Adam movie did in the box office bringing in just under 400 million dollars and a lot of these other DCEU movies only bringing in about a, you know, a couple hundred million right now. You know, maybe the maybe the Black Adam ain't looking so bad right now. Maybe the Rock is like sitting back here like patting himself on the back. Um but it is like I will say Two, also with Black Adam, still very much an underperforming film when you've had 10, 15 years to put this movie together and that's all that you make at the box office, even with the caliber of The Rock, um, you know, $400 million probably is nothing to sneeze at, but I'm pretty sure they probably expected this movie to do a ton more. uh, they also say ZazLab is what JPEG was to Disney. It's kind of turning out to feel that way a little bit with some of his decision-making. I know when ZazLab definitely came on board, I was pretty excited. I kind of dug some of the decisions that he was making. But man, a lot of the past decisions have definitely got me scratching my head a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. He says, I think it really was a victim of a combination of what you're saying and the business decisions of the streaming model. Has, I I could easily see that uh, seen in Nerds. So that's a good perspective also. Um, what else we got here? Um, we also got some news on the Sony front when it comes to their, uh, oh, real quick before I get into Sony, Jonathan majors back in the news briefly here, Jonathan majors. Um, he does have a, a trial date set. He is going to trial August. Um, he appeared, uh, briefly Tuesday morning in the Manhattan criminal courtroom to learn his trial has been set for August 3rd um Majors is looking up to a year behind bars if found guilty on a misdemeanor claims stemming from his late night march 25th arrests uh his his lawyer's been very adamant um that this is kind of a little bit of a witch hunt if you will uh in regards to trying to bring down his um jonathan majors um we'll see man uh it's feeling more and more shady the more i read about it but um We'll see how things come to fruition from him, but he will be on trial beginning August third, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of eyes um, uh, on that courtroom for sure. The, the the more and more I see stuff happen with this, I think this is somebody at
1: DC trying to take down Marvel. Like, <laughs> really? Like like I think it's The Rock who just went through. Oh y'all y'all want a black out? Okay okay okay. Jonathan Majors he he's the guy y'all want to be
0: the next big thing.
1: I got him. I think like he called in a favorite of Vin Diesel one was like we family
0: right <laughs> <laughs> Um um what other, what else we got in here we got um oh El Muerto is back in the news Um apparently that movie has been taken off um the schedule it says it seems uh, according to comicbook.com, seems like El Muerto is well Muerto uh, the Spider-Man spin-off film has lost its release date and the most recent movie schedule changes that are now coming out of DC. Um, so that movie uh, doesn't have any um doesn't have any uh, release date right now. There are murmurs back in spring that El Muerto was at a standstill. According to Bad Bunny's publicist, there had been an obvious cooling effect taking place. El Muerto was not only greenlit, but fast-tracked in the spring of 2022 um, after Bad Bunny thrilled audiences in Sony's action flick, Bullet Train. Um, It was uh, supposed to shoot, wrap, and get through post-production by January. Um, since we're now at the summer of 2023 and cameras have yet to begin to roll, and the with the strike currently happening, it's pretty clear this movie was another attempt by Sony to that ultimately didn't pan out. Whether or not El Muerto gets revisited later is anyone's guess. It was always a strange project to have on the slate, but Bad Bunny is a major star as a musician, an actor, and even a an WWE wrestler. So um, as of right now, um, this movie is off the schedule with no plans on Coming back right now, Um, so we'll see. I'm perfectly okay with that, honestly. Like I don't mind Bad Bunny whatsoever, but uh, I didn't really care for the concept of an El Muerto uh, movie. Nah, you just hating. (laughs) What what am I hating for? Like (laughs) you just hating. You just hating. (laughs) He's my he's my fellow boricua man. I got to support bad bunny, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, so support support what was going to be a good movie. We, we need yeah. another we need another good Lucha, Lucha Libre movie. Last one we had was <laughs> I mean, Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre,
0: hey, that's that's still good enough for me, man. That's that's a great movie still. Um San Diego Comic-Con is getting less and less attractive this year. Um Variety's reporting that Marvel, Netflix, Sony, HBO and Universal are set to skip San Diego Comic-Con as the fest faces another existential threat. Um, so, yeah, it says um, for two years, the biggest annual fan convention in North America was forced to cancel the five-day event, and it seems as though it's definitely happening again. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that kind of sucks. I got my friend Michael, I think, is planning on going to San Diego Comic-Con this year. And I'm kind of curious as to, like, what's even going to what's even going to pop up Oh, what's even going to be there? You know, I don't want to say that um, San Diego Comic-Con is going the route of E3, um, but a lot of these companies are definitely creating their own sort of conventions um, to highlight their own material. Um, And with the. Strikes going on with the writer's strike. You know, I know we got the, was it the SAG, um, the Actors Guild. Um, I know they're working on a contract right now. Whether or not they end up going on strike could be a possibility. So mm-hmm. it seems as like nobody is touching any of these conventions to pr- to promote stuff right now when they don't even know if, <laughs> if these deals are ever going to get done. So uh, a lot of people are definitely bailing. Um, other studios are still maintaining a wait and see posture. Warner Brothers, which needs a robust PR boost for movies like Blue Beetle and The Aquaman 2, has yet to rule out skipping Comic-Con, so Warner Brothers may be there. Max is planning on bringing some animation titles to the convention. Maybe we get the opportunity to see something like um, Batman, Cape Crusader. Even though I get nothing I think about, it. I don't think that's on um, – that's not going to be on HBO Max anymore, but they did produce it, so – Um, Maybe they showcase that. Paramount Pictures expected to hold the panel for TMNT, uh, along with um, Paramount has yet to commit panels for any Star Trek shows as of right now. Uh, And Amazon plans some kind of presence there as well, um, highlighting the Wheel of Time Season 2, The Boys spinoff, Gen V, um, and maybe we get some other things as well. So um, a lot of heavy hitters, not at San Diego Comic-Con this year, but you might be lucky to find something there. So uh and anybody planning on attending, I c- hope you guys have a good good op- uh, have a good weekend. Um last but not least real quick, Harley Quinn is set for season 4. I know a lot of people have been asking when is uh Harley Quinn season 4 going to be dropping. Uh that you can expect that uh July 27th on Max. So remember, July 27th on Max for you Harley Quinn. Bands, um, Marcel. You know, with more and more companies leaving ss sdcc this might give lesser known and smaller projects a chance to shine definitely that's certainly a possibility and you know what else could possibly shine comic books baby <laughs> i mean um yeah, you know bring, we, we ta- bring comic books back to comic-con <laughs> exactly <laughs> look i went to fan expo i went to fan expo um dallas uh, a couple of weeks ago we have a couple highlight panel highlights on our youtube page you know and it's funny i went there and i literally saw like three vendors out of the whole place three vendors that were selling comic books. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, like, I mean, they had a good selection, don't get me wrong, but it's like, man, I'm. you would expect like a whole section of the convention to be full of comic books. But yeah, it's, uh, I almost feel like it's getting more and more difficult for comic book vendors to even afford going to these conventions. Cause it's like, if it's a comic book store, you know, wanting to attend, I'm sure they got to pay a couple thousand dollars for a table. And it's like, what, what kind of money do you guys think comic book stores make? You know what I'm saying? So, um, Uh, Yeah, definitely bring back more comic books to conventions. And then last but not least, I promise I'll finish honorable mentions off on this one. We just had a lot of cool topics that dropped this week, honestly. Um, There is a rumor, rumor time, ladies and gentlemen, that Ben Affleck may in fact be popping up in Daredevil, uh, Deadpool 3 as Daredevil. Uh, There have been signs that he has been spotted on the set, according to a Twitter user, Casey Walsh Affleck was seen on Deadpool 3 set with the three cool having begun principal photography in England towards the end of last month. While Wa- while Walsh has no idea who he is playing, the mere mention of Affleck being uh, around this production has set off speculation that he's reprising Matt Murdoch, a.k.a. Daredevil, who he played in the 20 uh, 2003 Daredevil movie. Um, so, again, this is simply just a rumor. Um, I have no idea who this Twitter who this Twitter guy is whatsoever, uh, but he has mentioned the idea of seeing Ben Affleck on set, um, so some of people are definitely wondering if he's coming back as Daredevil because I think some people are even suggesting that the classic X-Men from Fox might actually be in this movie too. Some people are certainly reprising their roles outside of just um, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I've even seen some people speculate the idea that when it comes to um, – Deadpool three, that maybe this might be sort of their version of Deadpool kills the Marvel universe or something like that. Maybe it's like the Fox universe, um, who certainly knows. Um, so it might be pretty interesting to kind of see, uh, if daredevil pops up. I mean, we are in the time period of multiverses right now. Um, who knows how we get Deadpool into the MCU, but this might be a pretty fun and creative way of, uh, doing so. Do you think this is um, going to turn out to be true indie or what? I, I have the slightest idea. Um,
1: maybe he needs something to do. He's such a comic fan, you know what I'm saying? Uh, ben Affleck is such. He's so much one of us that I wouldn't put it past him that he would find something like that being unique and cool, you know. Yeah. But I, I just need something like Kevin Smith to find a way to to give us that post post apocalyptic Batman movie. Hmm. You know what he I'm has saying? Some like. In mind. Uh, that 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 that's what I need. That, but ben, but Ben's just washed his hands of Batman and wants nothing to do with it. So I kind of don't want him to get his itch for Daredevil again because like we have the perfect person playing Matt Murdock right now. But um, I would if love it's a to-
0: one off, I wouldn't mind it. I think it would be kind of cool to see him revisit some characters that he's kind of sworn off, right? We didn't think he'd come back as Batman. Boom, he's back as Batman in the Flash. I never thought we'd see him again as Daredevil. I think there was a part of me that was speculating and hoping he would pop back up in like uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. He didn't pop up there. So I would like to see him reprise his role as Daredevil at least one more time before he hangs up the boots.
1: The only thing I want to see is how many jennifer aniston jokes can ryan reynolds get in <laughs> in the three minutes that ben's going to be on screen
0: oh uh, this good yeah i mean almost every line i think he's going to deliver there'll be a yeah. jennifer aniston joke Um, But yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts uh, in regards to any of those honorable mentions. What certainly piqued your interest? Would you like to see Ben Affleck certainly return as Daredevil, possibly for a one off? And if that's true, it does open the doors like it makes me wonder what other Fox sort of uh, characters um, might pop up in here as well. Um, So, yeah, it might be their last hurrah to be on screen for anything Marvel related. Um, All right, guys, with the honorable mentions out of the way, Indy. Are you ready to go ahead and tackle these main topics with me, bro? Let's get to it. Let's get into it, baby. We're going to start off with some MCU talk as um, there is an exist- existential threat. Um, certainly having a lot of people worried in Hollywood um, and that is the idea of artificial intelligence AI uh, has definitely been grabbing a lot of the news especially here this past week with the release of the Secret Invasion series itself Um, to do right by the series while we certainly will talk about AI in regards to Secret Invasion I also do want to actually talk about the series itself uh, because I do feel like at times Secret Invasion Maybe isn't getting as much buzz as it probably should, and maybe the idea of the AI talk has kind of overshadowed where we're going right now. Um, and so, for me, I wanted to go ahead and highlight um, the Secret Invasion series and intro um as we are currently very much in a um, a very interesting time Uh, we've got a lot of writers that are currently on strike the wga is currently on strike um not being paid or given what they certainly feel that they deserve from things like streaming services who definitely are trying to do their best in uh not not allowing others to see their analytics their revenue how much they're certainly making views on some of these shows and in turn probably really underpaying a lot of the the writers um, that put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, into the creativity of making these shows possible. Uh, So the WGA is certainly out there, still definitely trying to get what they deserve. We've got ourselves a Screen Actors Guild potential strike that might come up if there is no deal, certainly, um, certainly made here relatively soon. Uh, And one of the biggest concerns is the idea of artificial intelligence, sort of taking over some of these jobs, they definitely have uh, showcased their worry about it. Um, Whereas you know, we can't really put it past companies to maybe find other cheap alternative ways to possibly have the same job certainly done, right. And so uh, it definitely puts Puts us into a little bit of a, I don't want to say a war, but definitely a clash in regards to human creativity and what artificial intelligence can certainly do. Um, really worried about taking people's jobs. Uh, maybe certainly some people definitely utilize it as a tool, if you will. But I can guarantee you one thing, it definitely is drawing a lot of attention right now. And so, Indy, um, I- I'm going to go ahead and bring you back into here. Let's talk about this real quick, okay? Because Secret Invasion has, in fact, dropped this week. Um, If you guys did not know, looking at the very intro for um, Secret Invasion, it was, in fact, put together by AI technology. Um, The moment that this was, in fact, announced, uh, people on the internet, on Twitter at least, went bananas. Bananas. Um, pushing back against the MCU and Marvel Studios for even utilizing AI in the first place, especially during a time period in which a a lot of people are worried that AI is certainly going to be taking over their jobs and certainly replacing them. So um, you want to talk about maybe bad timing? This is probably as bad timing as you could possibly get. But people are definitely making their voices heard. And so with people certainly being very outspoken about the use of AI here, I thought it was pretty interesting that the Hollywood Reporter this week did release an article um, from Method Studios who put the AI intro together as they wind up providing us with a little bit more clarity here in regards to how this intro came together. Uh, And we'll discuss it after that, Indy. in regards to, you know, does this make the situation any better or does this still kind of open the doors, if you will, for more conversations to happen? So let's dive into this. This comes to us from, The Hollywood Reporter says secret invasion opening using AI cost no artist jobs is what the studio says that made it Uh, because a lot of people were pushing back like, man, there's so many artists out there that could have done this for you guys. You know, you, you really removed the artist from it. But Method Studios is saying that's that's definitely not the case. So it says on Wednesday morning, Disney subscribers were treated to the first episode of Secret Invasion, which included an opening sequence that highlighted the mystery behind the series. Shape-shifting aliens had infiltrated Earth. Soon after the episode aired, a report surfaced noting that the opening had been created using artificial intelligence, something that sparked an outcry on social media among users speculating it cost artists their jobs. Now Method Studios, which is behind the opening, wants to clarify those reports surrounding how AI was used in the animated opening made by its design division. They say, AI is just one tool among the array of tools set our artists used. No artist jobs were replaced by incorporating these new tools. Instead, they complemented and assisted our creative team, is what the statement reads from uh, from the method. Um, I want to say there was another quote here. It says, method explained to THR that it used existing and custom AI tools in creating the character's attributes and movements in the opening but the entire production of the opening involved traditional work of the art department animators comp uh, comp compositors comp compositors excuse me compositors and other artists um on wednesday polygon published statements from secret invasion director and executive producer ali uh, salim stating that the show's title sequence was created using ai Salim was quoted as saying he didn't really understand how it worked, but he noted we would talk to them about ideas and themes and words, and then the computer would co- would go off and do something, and then we would change it a little bit by using words, and then it would change. It says the potential of AI in Hollywood has been high profile and controversial subject, and so word quickly spread about its use on Secret Invasion, which stars uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Here's the complete a statement by method. Um, It says working on secret invasion, a captivating show, exploring the infiltration of aliens into human society, providing an exceptional opportunity to delve into the intriguing realm of AI specifically for creating unique character attributes and movements, utilizing a custom AI tool for this particular element, uh, perfectly aligned with the project's overall themed and desired aesthetics. It says the production process was highly collaborative and interactive uh, with a dedicated focus on the specific application of an AI tool set. It involved a tremendous effort by talented art directors, animators proficient in both 2D and 3D. Artists and developers uh, who employed conventional techniques to craft all the other aspects of the project. However, it is crucial to emphasize that while AI component provided optimal results, AI is just one tool among the many array of tool sets our artists use. No artist jobs were replaced by doing that. Um, So they're they're pretty – they're pretty – they're they're definitely doing their best here, Indy, in regards to explaining to us um, that this was pretty much just utilized as a tool, that we still very much had artists that clearly had to uh, compose these things, put these things together. Maybe you had to add certainly additional words into certainly the AI system, um, and this is what wind up coming out of it. Um, as somebody who is reviewing Secret Invasion – I do want to know your point of view, Indy, in regards to, one, what did you think about the intro, uh, the opening sequence? Um, and what what is your stance on this right now? Because I do feel like, um, you know, everybody certainly has their opinion in regards to this. I, I'm kind of curious to know yours, though. Um, what are your thoughts on this? All right,
1: uh, Starting with the use of AI, I have a couple of different ways um, that I can explain this, uh, basically how I feel about it. Um, I really feel AI is being used as a tool as an artist, musically, graphically and everything like that. Myself, um, it's a tool to, I believe, create efficiency. Right. Um, Carpenters used to use hammer and nails. You know what I'm saying? When nail guns were created, it it didn't take carpenter's jobs away. It made them more efficient at their job, making them be able to do their job quicker. And what they were doing. And because the tools are more expensive, carpenters end up actually being able to charge more money, you know what I'm saying, to cover the fact that tools and stuff are getting, you know what I'm saying, more expensive to use. Um, as I see it here, I look at a- the way they use AI in a similar way of when I'm doing music, how I use a plugin, right? I need to get my vocals or i need to get a certain uh point in the beat to be able to sound a certain way so i'm taking that plug-in that was created by somebody else which is an artificial way to be able to change the sound into something that i couldn't get manually you know what i'm saying on my own so as an artist i'm using this tool in order to get the uh desired effect that i wanted as i'm looking at the way the intro looked to me it didn't look totally designed by AI. It looked almost like they put an AI overlay or filter, you know what I'm Mm. saying? Over what they were using in order to get the desired effect and aesthetic of what they wanted it to look like. Mm. To me, it almost looked like a moving picture, a moving painting. You know what I'm saying? Something whereas you couldn't understand, you couldn't make out what was happening. You know, everything looked the same, but some stuff looked different. It, It gave you the effect of what this, secret wars you know what i'm saying series is going to be about because it it just it just blended everything perfectly in what it was going to do now the the fact that they say no artists lost their jobs no artists got less pay they just use a tool in order to be more efficient the issue we're going to have with ai is when people go I don't need an artist because I could just let AI do this and to be able to save me, you know what I'm saying, $10,000 in this point of the job. Until that happens, I have no problem with AI being used as long as it's being used by the artist to make their, you know what I'm saying,
0: job more efficient. And I, I'm I'm pretty um right there with you, Indy, in the sense that, you know, when I read this article uh, or, you know, when the studio comes out and they talk about how it was utilized, uh, I, I'm kind of right there with you in the sense that it feels very much like it's being utilized as a tool. You know, when I look at the secret invasion intro, one for me, I know some people are like, oh, it looks it looks terrible. It looks horrendous. I, I think it actually looks pretty good. Um, And it is one of those things where when you look at the article and what they're stating here, like I can see the idea of like artists having to come up with like these particular frames or particular images that they kind of want to see, you know, um, I don't really know all the information that they're plugging into the AI, but it really wouldn't surprise me if they literally had like artists come up with a storyboard design that they wanted for this. Maybe they scanned all their particular artwork and images sort of into this AI. And like you mentioned, the idea of giving it this filter or this ability to kind of merge itself into something else um, to get that visual effect on screen. uh, To me, that definitely works. Um, I, I think it came across pretty well. But when I look at it, I don't see it as this is solely just an AI product that they're currently putting together. It does look like they certainly had artists and developers, um, storyboarders and things like that really involved um, to go ahead and create this together while utilizing AI certainly as a tool to go ahead and put it together. So for me personally, when I look at the secret invasion story here that we have with this intro, this doesn't worry me so much, but I can honestly I. Can can see where people's concern and worry definitely will eventually come from because there's always going to be a a positive way to use AI and very much a negative way. And there's always going to be people out there that are certainly going to do their part to try and take advantage of that. Trust me when I say, all right, corporations out there are always looking for the cheapest and easiest way to go ahead and create something. Um, And the idea and the concept of utilizing solely just AI – uh, I do think could eventually lead to a big mistake here. Um, There are times when AI, when just solely used, probably doesn't come across, I, w- I would say maybe comes across a little heartless, maybe not as expressive, just because it doesn't have that human touch or human experience behind it. Uh, and it's really just kind of a, an amalgamation of something to kind of just create something for you. And so I, I do think that eventually AI, could definitely be utilized in a very negative way, but I don't necessarily that means... All AI should certainly be looked at that way because I do think that there certainly are people that are using it as a tool, very creatively, with human people behind the designs and utilizing AI to just uplift what they're certainly creating. But again, I do think that there there is or will be another side of things where people are possibly testing to see just how much they can really get away with this in order to produce things on the cheap. But when it comes to secret invasion, I personally feel like this is simply just a tool. Um, maybe that uh, hopefully doesn't make us like the enemy towards things. But look, I, I that's just how I personally feel about it at the end of the day. Um, what's up, Frankie? Thank you so much, man, for the, the support. I definitely appreciate it. Um, he says, yeah, morning. Oh, I tend to see a I like the self check out at markets. Originally, there were just one or two. Now there's a jillion good and bad points to them, in my opinion. And I, and I totally agree. And I think I think there and that's what, literally what I just said is like there will people that will use it certainly as a tool very much in a good way to highlight and help out the artist. But make no mistake, there definitely are people that will take advantage of the concept of AI and use it in a negative way, um, and certainly cost people their jobs. And I think this is just a realization Indie, that a lot of us have to come to. You know, you mentioned the idea of, you know, when they created things to help workers out. Um, you know, maybe look at the industrial revolution, right? Like there were people that used to do these things, and then machines came in. And made jobs easier. And yes, maybe it definitely cost people their jobs. But for some people, it definitely made their jobs significantly easier. And I think we're just at a place right now in history and in the world where there is now sort of another revolution that is now happening. And that is the world of artificial intelligence. It's here. I don't think there's any putting it back in the box but i do think that there's something wrong about the idea of just looking at ai negatively um when i think as a whole we can understand that there is good to it and bad to it and i think for us as citizens um or even artists out there i do think that if we um if anything i it would not surprise me indeed if like a lot of Policies, a lot of laws that we wind up seeing here within the next several years will, in fact, be regarding AI. Uh, that I do think us as citizens will probably have to vote on, or, you know, just for us to see how much we want AI involved sort of in our everyday lives. Because believe it or not, it's here, it's here, and how it's going to be utilized, I think, is going to be extremely important going forward.
1: Yeah, the bi- the biggest thing I've issue we're gonna have with AI, I believe, are copyright issues. I, th- I don't think it's gonna be necessarily in the creation of stuff. It's gonna be necess- it's gonna be in what are the rights of the stuff that's being corrected. And if like AI is reaching out grabbing ideas from stuff that it sees online in order to make something that might belong to somebody else, that, that that's what I think that's the issue we're gonna have. But like my my project is getting ready to drop banner versus McCoy. All the single covers are AI created you know what I'm saying, from things that I've done, you know, in my life. And no, it didn't take away from artists that I could have paid because at the same time, I paid individual artists for alternate album covers or, mm. you know what I'm saying, uh, merch designs to go with each individual song as well. It's just that I wanted to do something different, you know what I'm saying, that I hadn't done before and, and see if that could come, that could some way express what I want in a different way. Because when when I put stuff out there, a lot of times artists have problems uh, creating my vision because of how much rambling I do <laughs> <laughs> or, or because how, how much my ideas, you know, what I'm saying just keep going. And a lot of times AI can help with that because it's just plugging in everything that I'm talking about and giving on them top a- of what you've already been given by the yeah, artist and give them a base to start off with. I have I've had a lot of artists take AI put stuff in there see what it comes up with just to get an idea on Mm. what they're creating you know what i'm saying because sometimes you hit that roadblock when it comes to you know what i'm saying creation to
0: start off with uh, and, that, and that's another way of showing using um, AI definitely as a tool, still utilizing artists to create what you want, but in order to maybe get it to that next level to really encapsulate the, the vision that you have using AI on top of the art that you've already created. And I, I do think that's a great way of certainly utilizing it. And I do, I do think that there are artists out there that certainly see the benefits of AI, um, but there definitely will come a time when AI will definitely replace uh, a lot of the work. Um, that we're currently doing. I don't think there's any getting around that, unfortunately. I just think that there's something that we're going to have to adopt. And I think if we are that worried about AI, us as citizens can definitely go ahead and express our voice. If matters come up when it comes to having a vote for how AI is utilized in our everyday lives, I think us as citizens will probably hopefully have Hopefully have the final say in regards to how uh, that's utilized because AI is definitely taking over. Did you see the most recent? Um, this is kind of off topic, but uh, I know you I know you love you, your hip hop every day, all day. Um, did you check out the Juice WRLD and um, Corday um, song by any chance recently? Yeah. The music video? Yes, I, I think they might have utilized AI in that music video also in regards to putting Juice World's face over him. I don't know if that's just regular deep fake or if they went an extra step in using AI. Do you know anything about that though?
1: I think it's a combination of both, but I think it was more deep fake than you know what I'm saying, AI. AI. But I, I think it was a combination of uh them doing both. I'm actually waiting. I think Joe Button has an interview with uh Corday mm. uh coming up soon. And I know that's something that he, you know what I'm saying, would address because they've been very vocal on the whole AI, you know what I'm saying. And thing music. Too. And music, so that that's more where the AI thing bothers me, mm-hmm. because if if Corday Corday, I believe he would use it properly because of using Juice world's likenesses. I know that he'll make sure that the the family of Juice World gets compensated. You know what I'm saying for what he's doing, but in music, that's where that's honestly where it comes from because there's a um there's a time limit on music. If nobody's picked up a patent or a copyright on something, stuff tends to become free market. When it comes to it, so when, when you start using a lot of this older stuff, like in samples and different stuff like that, are you like the tra- kind of like the trademark clause on Mickey Mouse getting ready to come up and then mm. anybody being able to use Mickey Mouse if Disney oh god, here able. comes
0: a Mickey Mouse horror film,
1: yeah, you know, <laughs> so similar to what they did with Winnie, Winnie the Pooh and stuff like that because stuff just becomes free use. Um, do we get people? Uh, putting out songs, you know what I'm saying. Tupac and his mom mm. not getting compensated, or the or the label not getting that that's that's the issue where we bring into the conversations about AI, people not being properly compensated compensated for their work that uh, that they're doing. But if something is creating something and not taking from what you're doing, are you owed that work, or is the person that is using AI to create that work the
0: person who gets paid? Mm. that's where we have to figure out what's going on. Gotcha. Uh yeah, so like a lot of red tape that still certainly needs to be um, certainly figured out. Um and, and also showcasing the idea of AI and how it's being utilized. You know, I found this article this week and I'm usually always on top of this. Um in regards to checking the date in which an article drops, I literally thought this article dropped this week. But when I looked at it um, later on in the week after I've already assigned these stories, I realized, oh, this actually this actually was released like three years ago back in 2020. Um, but I think it also is kind of eye opening in the sense of just how long AI has been really in the realm of movies and television, and we probably haven't even known about it. But this article is actually, I think, from January of uh, 2020. Warner Brothers signs a deal for AI-driven film management system. Um, and it says, um, resistance is futile. Warner Brothers has become the latest studio to publicly embrace artificial intelligence. The move, the movie division has signed a deal with Synalytic uh, to use Ladder's AI-driven project management system that was launched last year. Under the new deal, Warners will leverage the system's comprehensive data and predictive analytics uh, analytics to guide decision making at the green light stage the integrated online platform can assess the value of a star in any territory and how much a film is expected to make in theaters and other ancillary streams founded over four years ago um, they have been building and a beta testing the platform for three years um Uh, It says while the platform won't necessarily predict what the next billion dollar surprise like Warner Brothers hit Joker, it will reduce the amount of time executives spend on low value repetitive tasks and instead give them better dollar figure parameters for packaging, marketing and distributing decisions, including release dates. Um, The platform is particularly helpful in the festival settings where studios get caught in bidding wars and plunk down massive sums after only hours of assessment. The AI's insight might also have altered decision-making on some of Warner's misfires from 2019, such as The Kitchen, Shaft, and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Hey, I actually like Godzilla King of the Monsters, honestly. It says the the system can calculate in seconds what used to take days to assess by human when it comes to general film package evaluation or stars worth. Uh, He says we make tough decisions every day that affect what and how we produce and deliver films to theaters around the world. The more precise our data, the better we will be able to engage our audiences. Mm. Um, It says still Hollywood fancies itself as a town that operates on gut instinct rather than algorithms for better or worse. And unlike Silicon Valley, the industry has been slow to use A.I. for menial tasks like script breakdowns, fearful that it would take away jobs and make humans obsolete. Um, But they have somebody that. Um, counters that narrative saying artificial intelligence sounds scary, but right now an AI cannot make any creative decisions. What it is good at is crunching numbers and breaking down huge data sets and showing patterns that wouldn't, would not be visible to humans, but for creative decision-making, you still need experience and gut instinct. Um, So again, remember guys, this was back in 2020 um, when Warner brothers teamed up with this AI driven film management And, um, you know, there's a part of me that I was kind of curious as to, like, do they have a track record since, you know, since if they've been doing this since 2020, you know, is there anything to kind of look forward to um, to kind of show, like, you know, have they been rather hit or miss on things? Uh, But, you know, I think for me, my fear in this indie is the idea that, you know, if you've got AI driving your decision making for green light what does that do for smaller budget films or indie movies in that sense right like if your main goal is always going to be revenue driven um, and i know the article says while it doesn't predict the next billion dollar movie you know the idea of like hey should we make this movie is it going to be revenue driven is it going to is it going to make us profit Like, to me, that's kind of, I don't want to say it's, it's, to me, that's a little worrisome in a sense of, like, if you're focused, I mean, clearly, look, as a business, you always want to make profit, right? So does that mean you're only going to greenlight big budget films um, during certain times of the year? Like, does that mean indie films might get overlooked just because they may not make that profit? And will that really take away from the overall sort of going movie experience? I think if anything, that would be my biggest concern. um and if anything, you know, the idea of them saying, you know, could this have saved Warner Brothers from releasing a movie like uh Godzilla, King of the Monsters, like I, I kind of dug that movie. you know, the idea of an AI telling me, no, you shouldn't release this or you shouldn't make that movie? It's kind of like, well, thank God we still have human instincts because I do think, you know, I, I think another article I read pointed out the idea like, you know, John Favreau at the beginning of Marvel Studios literally had to convince them, hey, you know what? We should hire Robert Downey Jr. Uh, to be Iron Man. Do you think that AI is going to let you know based off of Robert Downey Jr.'s past how much of a risk that was? Would Would AI have even suggested taking that sort of risk? And had John Favreau and Marvel Studios not taken that risk, where would the MCU be right now with making those decisions not based off of what I, a, AI is certainly telling you, right? So I do think that there's definitely a lot to showcase as to the human critical thinking aspect of what movie should be greenlit. Yes, it could be hit or miss, but I almost feel like that is just so much more natural and creatively open for – smaller indie films to be created than the idea of ai letting you know oh this movie is not going to make profit so you may not want to either green light it or release it on a different date or maybe not put as much money behind marketing sort of thing it 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 definitely worries me uh in that regards um seeing how it's utilized here but when you read it i mean do you does it come across differently for you though what are your thoughts on that
1: uh it does and i'm gonna come at this point just because i feel like it's the opposite of what you just stated, just True, so we totally have both over sides. because yeah. I I, I, under, I understand 110% how you feel. But mm-hmm. I look at it as when analytics was introduced in the sports, right? It was a big hoopla over uh, this is not how you build a team. This isn't going to work if you're just worried about this and that. And now analytics is used everywhere because, yes, you have that big name star who puts up this many points is going to be cost this much money. But you have somebody who's just as efficient or better for this money that fits this team better do off of the numbers of what they do running in this type of system Great uh, coming at the aspect of Robert Downey jr. Maybe the AI does tell them that because when they plug in Robert Downey jr.'s name, maybe it lowers, you know what I'm saying? The price up is up more budget for them to be able to get a bigger star, do something else or put more money into <laughs> something else. And it becomes profitable because of the, The money that out that they're paying you know i'm saying these individual stars because i think it's more of not looking at just let's grab this star let's grab this star i think the ai could look at trying to manage the budget in order to be able to make the film as profitable you know what i'm saying as it can and mm-hmm. if ai mm-hmm. is looking scoping the internet and stuff like that for reviews on this actor or if people like this actor and this actor maybe it helps bring some of those lesser known actors you know what i'm saying who aren't at big budget or big house names into the fold because actor a uh did all these blockbuster movies but it's super expensive but maybe they don't act as well Dwayne Mm -hmm. Johnson and maybe we have maybe we have an actor who's doing nothing but indie films who's been on Broadway but has wave reviews who isn't going to cost much that AI like plug this person into this position because people love this person the name you might not know because they haven't been in big movies you know what I'm saying? But it's going to bring a fan base over here that could probably help push this movie. Then we grab this big name star, this big name star, because they cost a little bit less. Put And this is the foundation, you know, what I'm saying of your cast for the movie that's going to put this movie over the top. Because of the reviews this person has because of their acting and stuff like that. But maybe that's something that's happened. Maybe that's how a chat with Bozeman gets cast as, you know what I'm saying, a Mm T'Challa or, or, you know what I'm saying, anything like that. So that's the way I'm thinking of just as many negatives that I have. I think I have a lot of positives in order to be able to get more actors, uh, more actresses, you know what I'm saying, in position to be able to be a big star.
0: Yeah, and I told I totally understand that, that point of view. Uh, also, um, for me, if anything, the other pushback would I be would the other pushback I would have then when you say that is well, goodbye casting director, you know, uh, goodbye executive, uh, you know, that's got to make those kind of decisions. We've got an AI that can kind of do that job for you. You know, the, what the I
1: mean? cast the casting director still has to bring these people in to make sure that they're able they to the handle job. the role, that they fit the job, that they have the chemistry. You know, what I'm saying what's going on. You can't just take uh a guy guy a and girl B, being like oh this is gonna be the best romantic movie ever based on the work that they've done before if there's no chemistry between the actor and the actress so they still have to bring them in and sort all you know what i'm saying sort that stuff out what what ai be doing is giving you a pool of people that you want to use instead of like all right we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and see these 200 people today and try to pick one person out of two hundred when AI could probably whittle that down to twenty, like twenty, yeah, or five or ten or something like yeah, that. Yeah, just you just, idea. just make the job more efficient.
0: Um, you know, and I I I also want to highlight this too because I wanted to see maybe your track record or if there was anything in there from Synolytic to emphasize like what they are doing uh, and how it how it might all kind of work. And I this is a blog from Synolytic. Dot com, so their own website. But this is a June insight from Synalytic in regards to the 2023 summer blockbuster a uh, deep dive. Uh, and, um, you know, it says this time last year, Synalytic uh, insights dove into the first true summer blockbuster season. We ran projections for them uh, for. Uh, on the four most high-profile live-action movies so dr Strange 2 Top Gun maverick Jurassic world Dominion and Thor Love and Thunder being released between may and june and discussed how the studios behind them were poised to capitalize on a return to theatrical viewing those films ended up showcasing performance that vastly exceeded expectations uh, respectively earning 955 million 1.5 billion 1 billion and 760 million dollars in global block Box office revenue. Um, it says, um, as of this year, Synalytic ran projections back in September of 2022 for the full 2023 slate, estimating a domestic gross of $8.65 billion. This efficient early prediction model also allows us to forecast. Home video and TV revenues also offering a truly unique tool for the film industry. So far in 2023, as shown in the graphic below, we've been impressively spot on with our overall domestic box office. Um, so this is year to date from January to May. The actual I, projection, I think, was $3 billion. Um, and right now they have projected at uh, three point um, two billion billion and their accuracy for the most part has been 94%. Uh, so they've been pretty good about projecting. Again, that's just the four films I believe that they're referring to. Uh, it says to give you some perspective on how 2023 will achieve this projected 17.4 increase. Um, they do talk about other films too. It says The Flash. Uh, we forecasted these titles on our platform, spotlighting WB's addition um, to the DCU uh, the flash to showcase what the summer may have in store utilizing a reported budget of $220 million um, global costs, totaling an additional 200 million and 19 key uh, attributes to run the AI input including budget, genre, rating, talent, IP value, etc. The platform projects um, domestic box office of $241 million and and international box office of two hundred and eighty dollars in the base case median scenario so it says and it's also capable of projecting home video and tv revenue so i find this interesting Indy, in a sense that if you look at this screen i don't know why it's so i don't know why it's so hard to read or so dark but when you look at it look they even have value associated with um the director, Andy Muschietti, along with Ezra, like if you can see it, it says um, median box office. So Andy Muschietti, based off of all his box offices, uh, all of his movie releases, his median is about four hundred and seventy three million dollars. Um, if you look at Ezra Miller um, in the movies that he's been attached to, it says 13 million dollars. Um, so they it does like break down like the value of the talent that you're sort of putting together and it utilizes their past history of the movies that they've put together um and it even gives you here like several different forecasts so confidence level 90%, 70%, 50% if you just go based off of the median um as to what's kind of uh in the middle it, it lets you know what's kind of expected now you know um this is profit and loss forecast they're expecting this movie to make global net revenue of 486 million dollars um there's a profit in here that they have pointed out and they're suggesting that the it says as uh, projected revenue i would assume is 141% um Overall, So they, they personally think that when it comes to the flash, this might be the first time that their AI just does terribly wrong. Uh, it gets terribly wrong considering how the flash is really performing at the box office. But when you look at like something like the confidence level here at 90%, while they're highlighting the median at 50%, when you look at something like the confidence level that they have reported at 90%, the domestic box office being $122 million, I feel like that's almost a little bit closer to um realistically, or even the 70%. Um, So I am kind of curious as to why they went with the 50% as the median in there. Um, But yeah, there's a couple of tons of other movies that they're kind of projecting as well, based off of their budget, talent, and things like that also.
1: Well, that could also have issues to do with when the projection was ran, you know? like I think this
0: was September. I think this was ran in September of last year.
1: Okay, so... uh, Computers are dumb when it, comes, <laughs> when it when it comes to persons' personal experiences. I don't think, or or it shows you how things view human beings as human beings. Like like regardless of as everything that went on with uh, Ezra and what they were what were doing in their life on the side, maybe they thought the AI thought that that wouldn't affect you know what I'm saying anything mm-hmm. when it came to profit. And all that, because generally people don't care about stuff like that when it comes to uh certain characters and mo- certain styles of movies and stuff. um m- Maybe it was the Michael Keaton effect. Maybe it just wasn't. You know, what I'm saying because I really feel like the the earnings that this movie has made has is the Michael Keaton effect. Uh, that that if you ask anybody what's going on and why they're going to go see this movie, they're saying, "Oh, cause my Batman's in it," mm-hmm. you know, and that's honestly what's selling the movie or maybe they overshot uh ezra's popularity you know which which is weird to me um i'd be i'd be curious to see what the profit would be if it was uh what they would generate if they put grant gustin in the place of ezra miller
0: Hmm, that'd be interesting yeah that wouldn't be interesting to check out um if anything i will say this you know the um if I go over to Box Office Mojo right now, The Flash worldwide is about two hundred and ten million dollars. Um, domestically, it's about eighty-seven million. Internationally, it's one hundred and twenty-three million. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see where their um, their projections certainly landed at. But as of right now, they definitely are expecting this movie to still make money, according to the projections taken back in September. Um, so we'll see how much that has faltered or not, um, but they definitely, if anything, are pointing out other films. Again, I would definitely recommend you guys check it out, but it's a lot of numbers, and it could be kind of confusing at first. But I do think the one thing that I take away from this indie is that there's there, it's not just good or bad, right? And I think the fact that we both have two different points of view in regards to how AI can be utilized at times, just showcases that there is an opportunity where both sides can certainly meet in the middle and kind of figure things out on how to utilize AI in such a way to where maybe less human jobs are certainly removed, but that the analytics that come out of AI usage is still very helpful and useful uh, in certain ways that don't cost people their jobs uh, for companies to certainly utilize. I think at the end of the day it will come down to how humans utilize it and i think that's how you know um i think that's important in regards to anything in regards to how exactly us as humans certainly use it will we use it for good will we use it for bad will we eventually get the opportunity to add regulations to it on what we want and can allow ai to certainly do um because if not it definitely may, uh, you know, we want to go worst case scenario. It may take over the world. Uh, I even read I even read somewhere, um, I can't remember what article it was or what source I got it from. So don't quote me on this. But I did read somewhere that said like within the next 10 years, uh, about 60% of maybe jobs will be done by AI and maybe like 40% still by um, by humans. Um, so I do think there's plenty of time to still uh, fix that if there's uh, if anything, but I, I do think it will come down to, uh, human use and just how much we actually regulate the use of, uh, of AI, but, um, it can be used as a tool. So I don't think we should completely crap on AI, but I definitely do think we should certainly, um, keep our eyes open in regards to how it's being utilized. Um, but if anything, I would say when it comes to the pushback for secret invasion, probably just really bad timing. Indie, right? It's just like I don't know if they purposefully look. I don't think they knew a writer strike was coming, so I don't think they were trying to be super insensitive in the sense of like, hey, we know that this is an issue. It's like, what what should Marvel do? Should they just not release this series because of just the intro alone? Should they push this back after the writer strike? I know timing looks absolutely terrible, but this to me, it doesn't feel like Marvel Studios trying to to dig at the Writers Guild or anything like that. Um, but it, it does feel like just bad timing, honestly.
1: No, nah, they're supposed to wait and redo the intro after the writers strike. So the writers that are striking have to wait to be paid for this series. You know what I'm saying? To come out, uh, that that's what they should have did. No, nah, it makes no sense. People <laughs> are people are arguing uh, about the silliest things in the world. Support the writers. Make sure that they get it, their increase in pay. Uh, support the actors. Make sure they get their increase in pay. And let's keep it moving. This series is already done. People already pay for what they agreed to be paid for when it comes to this particular series. Put it out that these people get their money. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, you know, if anything, I'm sure that there again, there will be people out there that will see that and find a, a, a lane or an opportunity to be like, okay, you know, maybe we can utilize AI more if Marvel's certainly using it. But I don't think that was the intention of Marvel Studios when this was first certainly put out. So I don't really look at it as a slap in the face in the sense of like, hey, we just we just tried this out and it's just bad timing in regards to when this has been released. But um, let us know your thoughts, guys. Um, clearly, there are some things that Indy and I are on opposite sides of the spectrum in regards to how AI is used. Sometimes we're on the same page, clearly. So I am kind of curious to know what you you guys think because uh, it feels very much like a gray area instead of us being very no ai shouldn't exist or yes that it should um, so let us know your thoughts on it guys in the comments section box below We'll definitely continue this topic later. I got, I got a way
1: to solve this because we don't have enough information to make a a, a definite decision on what's going on. Let's ask
0: AI if AI should exist or not. <laughs> you know, listen, I'm 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 gonna be honest with you. You know, when I po- I posted something this past week on Twitter uh, about that article, that last article that we just talked about, Warner Brothers' uses of AI. Um, and when I posted it, somebody that liked it was actually an AI guy. He actually liked my post and he started following me. Uh, he's got a couple thousand followers. Uh, he seems like he's pretty insightful in regards to the usage of AI. I even went to his website and checked it out. Um, if anything, I might even reach out to this guy and see if I can get a little bit of an interview. Uh, to have him maybe explain the usage of ai some of his worries concerns but also benefits of it and if he can maybe even open our eyes a little bit more as to how it could be used uh on the hollywood sort of level um, if 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 he's that in tune with Um, movies and television shows and things like that, that I'm not sure about. But so I kind of want to see if I can reach out and talk to him. But then I also have my cousin, James Bethia, who is a producer. Um, He actually is part of the WGA, the Writers Guild. Um, This past week, I saw him actually post pictures of him out on the picket line, um, you know, striking also. And so there's a part of me that I'm like, man, I I didn't know he was a part of the WGA. So now I'm like, man, I need to bring you in for an interview uh, to kind of talk to you a little bit uh, about what's kind of going on, not only with the writers, but also the introduction of AI and maybe some of his own particular concerns or things that he feels could benefit the usage of AI. So I, I kind of want to pick his brain a little bit more also. Um, so maybe we'll have some um, some cool interviews lined up for you guys here relatively soon. Um, all right, Indy, with that out of the way, uh, we will move on to our next topic. We'll keep it a little bit in the realm of uh, marvel slash sony on this one as uh we did get ourselves a brand new trailer here this week indy for those of you who don't know craven the hunter starring aaron taylor johnson went ahead and uh, released a brand new trailer this week they also released a brand new poster uh if you haven't had the opportunity to check it out there is a this is a great um um homage to uh tribute to a classic craven the hunter uh, uh drawing and poster also uh so i'm really i'm really glad that they went ahead and utilized this as the craven poster um but we did get ourselves a brand new trailer for this upcoming movie coming to us from sony pictures um so let's talk about this indy um have you got an opportunity to check out the craven the hunter movie i mean trailer oh, i think you're muted
1: this, this is one of the best movies I've seen from a, a comic book movie trailer in a long time. It, it, well, that not in a long time, it's probably the best trailer I've seen since Across the Spider Verse.
0: Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this real quick um, because we did get ourselves a Kraven the Hunter trailer. Um, and you know what, Indy? I'm not about to fall for it, man. I ain't, I ain't listen. Listen. Y'all already know when it comes to Sony's movies, um, especially their Spider Man list universe that they have. Uh, I feel like I've been robbed at the box office, man. I feel like they have taken my money uh, when it comes to the first Venom, Venom 2, Morbius. You know, I'm over you guys hitting me with these great trailers to get me hyped for these movies, uh, only to go ahead and certainly let me down when I see them in the box office, when I see them in the movie theaters. Um, So I'm going to be honest. Right off the bat, I was a big fan of this trailer. Uh, This trailer looked great. Um, it definitely got me hyped for this movie. You know, I I still feel some type of way about Aaron Taylor Johnson, but I think seeing him in a movie like Bullet Train really opened my eyes in regards to his range and what he could really do and bring to a character. Um, and this trailer was like everything that I kind of wanted to see out of a Craven the Hunter movie. The action looks pretty good. Russell Crowe as um Craven's father in here just looks like an asshole. I'm here for it. I absolutely love it. Um the action looked pretty great. Uh the, this it, it, there's two different trailers here. We got you have the regular trailer, and there's a red band trailer that shows a lot more brutal killings, more blood. I checked out the red band one just to get the full oomph of what Craven's gonna bring. And I gotta tell you, man, the scene when he's in the backseat of the car and he like kills this dude and rips his fucking like nose off after biting it off and then spitting it out the window that's like one of the hardest scenes I've seen in the trailer in a long time. I thought it was super cool to kind of see what they have in mind. I have some issues with it in the sense of like them working around the, um, uh, he was kick-ass. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. I did like him in kick-ass. I did at least the first film. I definitely did like him as kick-ass, um, but getting the opportunity to see like the, um, damn, I lost my track of thought <laughs> jumping over to that. The, the okay. The one con that I have, I am interested as to Aaron, taylor johnson's choice of accent for craven he seems very much he's got an american accent i thought he was russian uh, i know he has lived all around the world in the comic book so but i guess for me i always consider or thought craven with some sort of accent but i guess they decided not to go that route i'm trying to remember how craven certainly speaks in the comic books if he speaks with the russian accent or not but who certainly knows um So that's probably one of the concerns that I have about this film and then just his origin, the idea of him getting bitten by a lion uh, and the blood mutating into his body and now giving him superpowers. I think in the origin story, if I'm not mistaken, I think he drank like a potion from like a witch or something like that that gave him those heightened senses. I kind of wanted to see maybe that explored a little bit. But this this being bitten and then transmitted with super, I feel like it's becoming a trope that's just overutilized way too much now. Um, So I'll be interested to see how his origin is certainly changed in here. But I don't really have a lot of cons from this trailer. If the job of a trailer is to get you hyped for a movie, the trailer did an incredible job in that regards. But Indy. I'm still pumping the brakes on this. You are not about to get me super excited for this film. I, re- As cool as I thought this trailer was, I, I refuse to get hyped for this movie until I actually see it in theaters because they're great at putting trailers together. They're not so great when it comes to actually putting a movie together. Uh, So I, I still am going to take that wait and see. But the trailer is pretty cool, man, if you ask me. What did you think? Oh, you're, you're muted.
1: I'm doing my best, uh, steward impression today. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly like the trailer. Um, I'm interested in the aspect of where they're going with this. Um, the trailer did get me kind of excited for the movie, but um tell me the last miss that Aaron Taylor Johnson's had. Like Godzilla? like was that a miss? Because that 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 movie made money. Did it? Okay. Like like he did, I don't think I think he hasn't had a miss in a really, really long time with the way he chooses
0: characters. Um I don't know. Maybe I think well, the movie did pretty good. Godzilla actually did pretty good at the box office. Definitely wasn't a flop for sure. I'm thinking that the the
1: the they're taking a different vibe on the story, and m- maybe his dad was uh similar to being the original type of craven that 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 you're used to and this- uh. Uh-huh. The this is the new era. This is the new birth of of what we got uh from, from what's going on with him. Um, I was reading a comment where uh I think Marcelino said, matter of fact, let me see if I can find it because I tagged it. Uh Marcelino said, All seriousness, the trailer was cool. My problem is they made Craven an animal's right activist when he is literally a hunter. His father acts more like a comic accurate craven. Well, maybe mm. I, I take it as this that yeah, his dad might act like a more comic accurate craven. Or maybe it's the fact that uh this version of Craven wants to hunt bigger things than just animals. Maybe that is, you know what I'm saying, a little bit too simple. Maybe mm. more in just with the animal kingdom and knows that the threat is, you know what I'm saying, some human and humankind. Maybe this is where he turns to the, the villainous aspect of what's going on and needs to be stopped later, hopefully, by, you know what I'm saying, a Spider-Man or something because he's sent to go take out bigger things you know what i'm saying mm. bigger threats whether navy seals presidents you know what i'm saying uh i get you uh, people leading countries and stuff like that maybe that's where the hunter comes in for him. maybe it's just the namesake of what goes on because he becomes one of the biggest you know what i'm saying assassins you know uh known it's just that his his his, his stuff is real beastly uh but with this said we already had this movie this this movie came out a couple of years ago starring Idris Elba. (laughs) Yeah, it did. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) so um although yes I'll be cautionally uh cautionary I I, I'll have I'll be optimistic about what's going to happen. Um it's going to be better than the vampire.
0: God I hope you're I hope you're right. It
1: it is going to be better than Carnage. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be better than Venom because the the I think I think Venom. There's a lot of uh, positions in that movie that could have been cast better, and and he, and there should have been a better writing staff. But the movie itself did it was did what it was supposed to do, introducing the character and sh- and and showing us a new version of this character. So so I got what they were trying to do. The sequel was trash, but <laughs> but I really feel like they're starting to learn from their mistakes. And it, it gets times where I trust Sony Marvel. More than I trust, like DC, so I'm I'm willing to give them a shot to show me something because I'm gonna show you. Morbius was a bad comic book movie, right? But if you take Morbius and and mm. you call it uh, uh Underworld Rebirth, and, and they're birthing the new villain for Underworld, it's an amazing movie. It's just <laughs> it's just a bad comic book movie. It's a bad, it was a bad you can't have a lot of these characters without having Spider-Man without you needed Blade, you needed somebody in Morbius to, to counteract what was going on. He's not a league character, and that, that's the issue we were having. They're, they're, they're trying their best with these movies to re redo the Robert Downey Jr., redo the Captain Americas because none of them were were grade A superheroes so so they're trying to take these characters who are level c level d characters and trying to recreate the magic that happened with these other characters right but that happened through great writing great acting and 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 plot devices that worked they have no idea what they want to do with any of these movies there's no connect there's no there's there's no connectivity going on you know what i'm saying is that that all these one-offs aren't going to work so I have to see what they're doing with this, because if this Craven the hunter is where they're going to start doing stuff the right way, which it feels like they're doing, especially with casting somebody like uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I I need I need them to start now or they need to just let this whole Spider-Verse thing go.
0: I mean, I'm glad you're more hopeful than me, man, Uh, (laughs) because I, you know, I guess for me and I'll bring this up. This is another point Marcelino makes. He says at this point, you need to accept the Venom movies for what they are um you love because you are dumb you, they are dumb fun or you hate them because they're dumb fun i think the venom movies are better that way I, I don't know because if anything this is the comment that i really wanted in the point out. he says i understand your point indy but the problem isn't that he uh that he wants a bigger game the problem is that they're trying to make him a good guy and i don't want him and don't want to commit him to being a villain you know in this trailer i, I think even one of the lines that aaron taylor johnson says as craven is like you know, my dad puts bad things out in the world or villainous things out in the world, and I've got to stop him sort of thing. Almost like he is the opposite of his father, that pushback. I mean, if you wanted a villain for a movie, it's probably his father. And he's, in fact, sort of the, the, the anti-hero sort of once again. Um, and, and I've told you before, I'm, I'm just over that anti-hero concept. You know, I, I just think that there's such a better, I think there's definitely a better way of getting these characters across as a villain by still allowing them to kind of be the bad guys in their own film to a certain extent but you know how they utilize that I i don't really know um but I, there is a part of me that wonders if the anti-hero aspect of what they've been doing for Venom and for something like Morbius and now Craven, maybe if that's just the the wrong route to go and people are tired of the anti-hero concept. But, no. again, that's just my speculation. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I think the issue we're having is that uh, I don't really believe in anti-heroes. Me to either. Be totally, to be totally honest with you, I think it's just that people like villains. And it's hard it's hard to have a villain be a villain when people tend to lead the villains it, it, it's it's a, it's a trope of wrestling going on right now where the heels get cheered you know what i'm saying the faces get booed you know for those who don't know that heels the bad guy the face is the good guy there's more heels over than anything poor seth rollins couldn't be a heel to save his life because they're just going to get behind him you know what i'm saying and cheer him on uh the cm punk effect you know what i'm saying different thing different things like that it's hard being a villain nowadays uh people want villains from the jump but the the greatest villain is created so yes you want him to be a villain but how does he become a villain what 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 happens to that journey you know what i'm saying that that we used to go on for villains being you know what i'm saying created you know like uh dr doom didn't always start off as a bad guy you know what i'm saying uh Aspects in his life, his hate for Reed Richards, him not getting what he wanted, you know what I'm saying, it turned him in, you know what I'm saying, to a bad guy. So w- what we're going through with this is m- maybe he starts off, and this is me just speculating about the movie, and this is again ca- cautionary optimism about what this movie is going to be. Yeah, m- maybe the thing is he's so against his father because of what had happened to his brother and how his father raised him, right? That that's what we get from the trailer. Mm-hmm. But what what if we get to the 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 final chapter of the movie you know what i'm saying that third act and he realizes that everything his father telling him was true Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and then he then he adopts that you know what i'm saying and start and start doing it y'all are going to cheer him when he starts beating people up you know what i'm saying (laughs) killing people and stuff like that when when everything he's doing is actually a villain villain acts Mm-hmm. But we look at him the same the same thing with, with Venom. Venom's been a villain for so friggin' long. But even in the comics, in the, the comics right now, Venom isn't a villain. You know what I'm saying? He keeps going, he keeps going back and forth, back and forth. Villain, uh, Venom does what's best for him. Eddie Brock does what's best for him. You know what I'm saying? At the moment, w- what was Eddie Brock start out with? Somebody who was jealous of Spider-Man, you know what I'm saying, and wanted to kill that. That, that was the villain. Oh, I hate Spider-Man because Spider-Man has everything that I want. You know what I'm saying? Until he gets what he wants. And then it's, oh, this guy isn't so bad. His his mind was just, you know what I'm saying, misplaced to what's going on. There's always reason for villains being villains. So why can't we sit here and see what this story is and see if we track to become a villain? I mean, we just a couple of years ago had people saying Thanos was right. i mean there's still
0: people that say thanos is right but look at those people that are saying thanos is right okay you know what i'm saying
1: like 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 that thanos is idolized uh it's think about the marvel villains you know what i'm saying that that people it's hard to be a villain nowadays it is hard to be a
0: villain um i'm glad that you're cautiously optimistic um we'll see how this movie certainly turns around and see just really what the end result of craven the hunter is going to be but i gotta tell you man first trailer pretty impressive uh, i'm definitely going to keep my hype level to a minimum though until this movie return mm-hmm. comes out but this trailer definitely did its job uh in regards to getting people yeah. hyped for this movie yeah. so definitely uh, awesome Every, stuff. everybody can be don mysterio I mean, I guess not. I guess not. Um, all right, guys, with that topic out of the way, we will move on to our next topic uh, as we dive into the world of D.C. Um, D.C.'s not looking so good these days, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, after The Flash had a subpar weekend in the box office, it's having a, another brutal Uh, second weekend I think uh, it dropped like 70% 73% at the box office it's not even number one I think it's like number three at the box office maybe even number four at the box office as of right now Um, not doing too well Uh, and the future of the DCU is very much up in the air we still have two other remaining movies in Blue Beetle along with Aquaman 2 that's set to go ahead and drop all this year um, before we actually start getting into um, the James Gunn DCU. That's going to be starting off with Creature Commandos in 2024. Not quite sure when the Amanda Waller series will be starting, but then we'll get ourselves a Superman legacy movie in 2025. So big changes are definitely coming to the DCU. Um, And when it comes to the DCU, this past week, James Gunn Uh, is in the news again because he talked about the idea of the big differences uh, between how he views the MCU and the DCU. And I think this is um, pretty informative in regards to maybe how uh, he will be approaching the DCU and how significantly different it definitely is from the MCU. So let's go ahead and dive into this, Indy, and see if... um, if this could, I don't want to say convinces some people, but maybe is pretty eye opening for some people. So it says James Gunn confirms the biggest way DC's new movies will differ from the MCU. Um, I think this was him still talking to Michael Rosenbaum, I believe, on his. Um, His podcast, yes, as fans finally have an idea of how James Gunn's new DCU will differ from the MCU uh, when things kick off in 2025 with Superman Legacy. In a conversation with Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Gunn revealed the biggest difference between the superpowered universes comes in the form of its world building. He noted that there are very few traditional superheroes in the MCU. He says, the biggest, if you look at the MCU, there are very few traditional superheroes. Uh, There was never a guy with a secret identity until Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh, Their cap was turned into a soldier, even though he wears a mask. Iron Man outed himself at the end of the first Iron Man because they didn't want to deal with the secret identity stuff. Um, adding that comparatively, the DCU has, well, it says, uh, he says, so there's a bit of a fantasy element to the DCU uh, because there are these larger than life superheroes and you're not going to make, I mean, people are going to do whatever they're going to do in the future. But for me, there's Superman and Clark Kent. They're two different characters and you have to find a way to deal with them uh, that's as grounded as possible within the world of the DCU. He says, pointing out that specifically he's excited to tackle the world of D.C., the Suicide Squad filmmaker called out getting to craft another alternate history. He says, one of the things I love about D.C. and excites me about D.C. is that in a way, it's another alternate history. It is Gotham City and Metropolis and Star City and Bloodhaven, all these different places in this other reality. And it makes it a little bit like Westeros in some way. I love that about it. I love that we get to create true world building in D.C. It isn't just we're throwing some superheroes on Earth. So I think that right now that's one of the key differences. Um, So that's how um, James Gunn certainly looks at one of them. And I think one of the things that he's kind of talked about in the past, too, is the idea of really enjoying the concept of world building that once we get into something like Superman legacy, that we will ultimately see that this world's already kind of populated with, uh, with certain heroes. Um, it says while the MCU takes place largely in a world, Real world locales like London, New York City, and San Francisco, the world of DC's mythos takes place on a completely different fictional earth with nothing to base itself on. That means Gunn and the various creatives he brings in get to design the look and the feel of this world from the ground up. Yes, this sounds like a little daunting, but this is a blank canvas idea. Could be exciting for a filmmaker or showrunner wanting to define their little corner of this superhero world. Um, So I thought this was actually pretty enlightening uh, and a pretty, you know, look, I always love hearing James Gunn's thoughts on um, how he wants to uh, tackle some of these um, movies and for me i really love the idea of what he's stating here um if anything for me the fact that i've read past articles where james Gunn has mentioned the idea that once we get into superman legacy we're gonna see that there are sort of superheroes already established in this world um i do think it is quite appealing to creatives whether that be writers and directors to be able to kind of come into, a fresh new world, a fresh new sandbox uh, with really nothing kind of holding them back. Uh, You don't necessarily have to worry about real world sort of locales or locations. You can really uh, create sort of the own like he says in this article, your own little corner of the DCU. Um, So for me, when I read this, it feels very much like James Gunn knows exactly what he's getting himself into uh, and really kind of expanding and and building on that world. The idea that he's very much approaching Superman as sort of I don't want to say two different identities, but he clearly separates Superman and Clark Kent. Um, so I I am looking forward to seeing the personality attributes that James Gunn brings to both of those characters while having the same actor certainly play that out. Um, and if, if anything, I am kind of curious to see like what the design of something like a Metropolis is going to look like. Like, while I definitely do think it will certainly take its um, influences from New York City, because I think in the comic books, when we think of Metropolis, we automatically think of New York City. But I am kind of curious as to what twist he will certainly put on it. I don't think it's just gonna be skyscrapers. It will be interesting to kind of see visually what this is um, certainly going to look like. So for me, if anything, this just lets me know just how daunting of a task Um, This is going to be for James Gunn to really have to create this entire world uh, and really have to work with other collaborators and writers and directors to kind of see like what their vision of these other places in this fictional world certainly might be like. So there is something fun about the idea of just having a complete bare sandbox to play in to kind of create whatever you want without certainly feeling like you're relegated to – um, our actual history here and the world that we have sort of already built for us. So this just feels very promising to me in regards to just all the different characters that we're gonna be getting and also just the fresh takes on maybe the concept of, concept of superheroes that we're gonna be getting, also. So um this this seems pretty exciting to me, honestly. Um, Andy, I don't know if you had the opportunity to check out this article. Uh, or if you or if you um, heard me reading it at all, but seeing how James Gunn does view the differences between DCU and the MCU, really the idea of this being sort of a fictional view of history and just on a completely different world, not really regulated to the locales of London or New York or Chicago, but really building up their own world. Uh, how do you feel about this when James Gunn expresses just his differences he feels between the DCU and the MCU? Uh- I think they're dumb
1: (laughs) Okay, to be totally honest with you, because it's all fictitious worlds building up worlds. It's just that, uh, the MCU decided to make it more familiar to people. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? To make it more, to make it a little bit more relevant so that you could attach yourself to the characters more. If you, if you're not doing that, how do people relate? You know what I'm saying? To what's going on. The, The best thing about a miles Morales is that those, uh, you know what I'm saying? Those kids, you know what I'm saying? The Puerto Rican and Black kids that they grew up, you know what I'm saying? Where he grew up, relate to that. Uh People relate to Captain America. They relate to Iron Man and everything like that. If you're not making your characters relatable, uh w- what is there for it? Now, I do feel, and that that was crazy to me, is that mo- some of the most relatable characters in the MCU are the Guardians. <laughs> So I, I'm I'm not under, I'm understanding he's trying to defi- uh, separate them so that people don't have expectations of the DCEU being like the MCU. That's what he's trying to do. Don't mm-hmm. expect this to be like this because we are different. You're not different. You're just set in a different universe with, with, with characters that do similar things that are iconic for what they're iconic for. You're Batman. So it, it, I feel like the DCEU, as long as you get Batman right, you're normally okay. But he's he's literally doing what the MCU did, what they're getting ready to do with Blue Beetle. And I, I kind of think, although they say they had all these good things to say about the Flash, uh, there's a reason why they said the Blue Beetle was the first character in the new DCU <laughs> <laughs> and why it wasn't the Flash. You know what I'm saying? So I, I see what he's trying to do, but I really wish some people would just go, no, we want it to be like this but we're going to do it our own way. Eventually we'll get there. Just, just stay tuned and see how we tell our story instead of trying to draw a, a line saying, no, we are different. No, you're not different. You're an alternative. Um, again, the uh, till going to love me for this, uh, AW. is both wrestling. They both tell stories, you know what i'm saying that I mean different ways it's just an alternative you know what i'm saying to the other thing it's 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 more the same just different ways you tell stories
0: um i will say i i there is a part of me that definitely agrees with the blue beetle statement you made about um why they're making him the new dcu character uh if anything it's just like look we don't want to repeat at the box office of the flash um, you know like um we hope the idea of if we say that the Blue Beetle is part of the DCU then you'll be like oh so there's a reason why I need to watch this because it's connected to the bigger overall scope of what James Gunn is connected this isn't just some throwaway character I don't need to go see it's just like no we, we need we do need the money at the box office for this movie guys <laughs> so if we tell you it's part of the DCU and you believe that's where it begins maybe you'll actually come out to see this film right. look I do think it is um pretty good you know pretty good uh I think it's pretty smart of James Gunn and them to certainly say it whether or not it definitely works uh we'll certainly see but look I I I get what you're saying in the sense that it is while it may not necessarily be different it is an alternate you know I do want my alternate to be as different as possible um and if the idea of it not taking it taking place on a different world um that has fictitious sort of, locations and locales you know that's a little bit more interesting to me because i i would expect those locales to look and feel certainly vastly different and i have always seen dc characters in a much different light than i do mcu characters you know i do think that while they both have very much super human characters in it there is a level of you know if you want to introduce secret identities i think that's actually a pretty cool concept that the mcu doesn't really explore right like that's another um layer of character development that maybe we don't see so much in the mcu that i do think dcu to showcase hey this is why we're different i do think that could certainly benefit them in big ways as well um so why i don't think it's vastly different from the mcu i definitely would agree with you that yes it is an alternative but i do think it being an alternative can also hint at there being minimal differences that i think goes certainly a long way now whether or not that helps make them successful movies who certainly knows but i think we've always stated here before when it comes to the mcu and dcu or at least dcu like i've always expected detective comics to feel different than what Marvel comics has certainly put out. And so when I watch my DCU movies, I do expect them to kind of approach them differently than how I do see Marvel studios approaching their MCU things. Um, So I am hoping that that's really what James Gunn is certainly talking about here in regards to the differences here uh, and why they're, why those differences will still put value um in in the dcu certainly going forward um but I, yeah I, I definitely agree with some of the things you're saying for sure
1: hey i got you on this he says he says different locales other than new york and like chicago and stuff like that you mean like wakanda like titan like space like the the you know what i'm saying like uh anywhere they go in ant-man like you know what i'm <laughs> saying like it, they, they've had that i think the fact that he i think they keep calling back and when people think marvel they think like um, avengers you know what i'm saying battle new mm, york and stuff like new that york. that they've expanded to so much more than that uh secret identities yes yes i get what you're saying on that but we have plenty of characters over here i look at me arguing for marvel we have plenty of characters over here with secret identities just the fact that you're so connected to the person that you forget that you know what i'm saying that their identity is a secret or that uh they're portrayed as that think of spider-man Think of uh Miss Marvel. You know what I'm saying? They're just on smaller scales when it comes to, you know what I'm saying, what happens. There's plenty of characters out there with secret identities that have to deal with trying to keep the identity secret. The the whole uh essence of the Spider-Man trilogy was him going, he had he has to live one life or the other, he can't have both. And then he ends up, you know what I'm saying, going, I can't live a double life, I am Spider-Man. You know what I'm saying? Type thing by the end of the movie. That that was one of the biggest revelations that he had. So I think it's just the fact that right now, as much as I hate to say it, because I love Matt Reeves, Batman and different stuff like that. Marvel is just better at telling stories than what DC is. And when James Gunn gets on board and he tells stories similar to how he told with Guardians of the Galaxy or even with Suicide Squad, his version of the Suicide Squad was a very good story, you know, it translated into very much character development. Uh, loved everything that's going on. When we start seeing that translation on screen for DC, that's when they'll start their run because they've just been really bad at telling
0: cohesive stories. Yeah, they absolutely have been uh, and the box office is certainly showcasing that. Um, so we'll see how uh, this turnaround happens, but um, let us know your guys' thoughts. Um, James Gunn uh, points out at least maybe one of the differences that he feels um. People will certainly see once he actually starts doing his DCU and the world building that certainly comes as a part of it. Um, Does that excite you guys or do you just see it as uh, another day at the office for something like the MCU? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below and we'll definitely continue that discussion going forward. Uh, Let's see here and uh, moving on to the next topic. We'll stay in the world of uh, DCU as uh, Indy, your boy Jensen Ackles is in the news. My boyfriend. uh, coming fresh <laughs> off of uh, Supernatural and his um, his uh, time on The Boys, season three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jensen Ackles is, in fact, back in the news here this week as... Brave and the Bold, the new Batman movie is back in the is back in the news. We literally last week just talked about the idea of the director of the Flash, Andy Muschietti, being on board for Batman, Brave and the Bold. Well, Jensen Ackles, um, who has been a very long time uh, proponent of wanting to play um, wanting to play Batman is back in the news again. I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, he has done animated work in regards to the voice work for Batman, um, but actually getting to be a live-action Batman definitely is uh, something that he's certainly missed the mark on, but um, he's very much open for the idea. And while we definitely do not have a Batman cast yet in this James Gunn world, Jensen Ackles is definitely putting his name out there, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Uh, this is coming to us from Deadline.com saying Jensen Ackles would want to play Batman in Brave and the Bold and joke that Pedro Pascal would end up getting it. Uh, Pedro isn't everything these days, man. But let's go ahead and dive into this real quick and see what Jensen is talking about. So fans of the superhero genre have thrown out names of who they want to Uh, who they want next? the next Bruce Wayne to be. And Supernatural alum Jensen Ackles recently addressed the rumors that he was up for the role. He says, "Um, I don't know. Even if I knew, I wouldn't tell you, um, is what Ackles said. He says, I mean, could I do it? Sure. Would I want to do it? Yes. Uh, Ackles joked that Pedro Pascal would probably get the part adding, Will I be mad when Pedro Pascal gets it? Yeah. God bless you, Pedro. You just keep killing it, buddy. But let me know when you pass on something is what he said. Uh, He also continued. Look. Right now, nobody's talking about anything. There's a strike going on in the entertainment industry. And until that gets solved, nobody is having conversations about anything. Would I entertain the idea of playing my favorite superhero of all time? Nah, I'm good. It seems like a lot of work, you know? Uh, you got to put in a bat suit and be a superhero. Um, clearly, he's joking and being sarcastic, but he does say, I would love it. Sign me up. Um, so, yeah, I do think Jensen Ackles would absolutely love the opportunity to go ahead and play um, Batman at some particular point in time. Uh, Indy, he's been pretty, um, pretty open about wanting to have played this role live action also at some point. Hasn't he? Yes. And uh, what are your thoughts on this? He should.
1: Th- that I-, I feel like if you pop Jensen Ackles into the little A.I. thing, it's going to tell you. it's certain... <laughs> OK, uh, there, there is no fandom maybe other than Rihanna's that is as adamant about somebody being in any role he could possibly be in other than Jensen Ackles um matter of fact while you're at it put the entire starting cast of you know what I'm saying Supernatural in, 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 <laughs> in roles <laughs> a, a, as it would go and and please give us our Misha Collins as uh Harvey, Harvey Dent, Dent as case okay. I mean because just just think about it Jensen Ackles Jared Padalaki, you get Mark Shepard, you get Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know what I'm saying? You get Jim Beefer, you get uh Misha Collins. I mean, you got top-notch people who have a following, you know, that that could honestly play these roles, and he fits a Bruce Wayne Batman aesthetic so friggin' well. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he just fits that, he would be perfect for the role. Um, and, and the look that I think they're going to go with and the storylines for the brave and the bold right in there. Plus you have a built in friggin' fan base. You know what I'm saying? That's going to follow this man anywhere. Think about the convention lines to see the new Batman, you oh, know man. what I'm saying? And at the same time, off the popularity of him getting Batman, we could probably get a uh, supernatural rebirth or, you know what I'm saying? Spinoff coming and, and, and bring the Winchesters back You know, j- just off of that because this man is highly popular. You know, it's just that he's got that that underground, you know, what I'm saying popularity. He, he, yeah. He's got that. He's got that, St- that Stephen Amell thing going on, except he does more jobs than what Stephen Amell does. So I, I, I would be all for him playing Batman. I think he should. I've been campaigning him for a minute. And if you want to be if you want to be good with it, him, Batman, Pedro Pascal, Joker, and then cast anybody else you want to around that. And you got gold.
0: Man, a Pedro Pascal um, Joker would be rather interesting. I don't know if it's my first choice, but I I would definitely be open to kind of seeing what Pedro would do with that character. That'd be pretty interesting. Um, That would make me almost feel like going back to classic Adam West Batman. Um, I don't know why. I kind of would like to see um, with kind of flavor... Pedro would certainly bring. Um, I I do think that you described Jensen Ackles perfectly when you said he's got that underground per popularity. Um, he may not necessarily be like a a star in Hollywood, uh, but this man definitely has a huge following. Um, you know, if there is any issue that I have with them, um, fun fact, both Batman batwoman and gotham nice both tried to get jensen ackles as bruce wayne but he was doing other projects at the time yeah i have i have certainly read that uh and that would have been pretty interesting you know again i i look i will say this and this is no disrespect to jensen ackles i'm trying to what was the last like big film that jensen ackles has been in do you know indy no but that's that soldier boy role that he had yes perfectly done (laughs) Yeah, he was perfectly cast for Soldier Boy for sure. And if there was sort of like any, um, like prerequisite to showing, hey, I could, I could be a big time hero in a big, big time movie. I think that was probably a pretty good role for him in regards to showing like I can deliver and not only performance, but action as well, if you need me to. Um, So I did really enjoy um, seeing his role as Soldier Boy. You know, if there is any issue that I have with um, Jensen Eccles being a Batman, uh, I mean, look the the guy's 45 years old he don't look 45 if you ask me when i googled it i was actually hella surprised that he's 45 years old he looks like he's probably still in like his mid-30s um so i do think that he could pull off the role there is a part of me that just wonders whether or not james gunn might go with somebody a little bit younger i mean look this is gonna be like batman with a son so you do need a batman that is a little bit older to to validate him having a kid but uh I, if, if, if there's any worry that I would have, it's because of that underground popularity that maybe wouldn't give him that role of like, I wonder how those in Hollywood view Jensen Eccles. Do they think that he can be sort of like a franchise sort of leading man when it comes to something like Batman? But if anything, if there's anybody that I do think gives him hope, it's maybe it's somebody like a James Gunn that probably I do think would probably take uh, the risk um, to go ahead and... um Um, bring somebody on board like a Jensen Eccles, because I do think maybe his biggest thing is having to get over that hurdle of being the TV guy, Um, because I almost feel like – I don't want to say that puts him in the same realm of somebody like Grant Gustin, but I do feel like – or like you mentioned, like a Stephen Amell. It's that idea of will they trust him in Hollywood to be the lead of a big franchise. Uh, So I am just kind of curious as to how people in Hollywood view Jensen Eccles but I, I, do think he would do a good job. Uh, I'm not again I'm not taking anything away from him because I do think that he would certainly do a pretty good job here. I'm. You're uh, gonna tell- you're gonna, you gonna jump in and say something.
1: I, yeah, I'm gonna tell you like this. Um, everybody keeps talking about the the when the CW went downhill. It was after 15 seasons of Supernatural, Supernatural. that le- that led into every show that ever became popular, leaving <laughs> that they started struggling. On, on what to do when ratings started to flop. Then it died after Stephen Amell left. So it's like, what what else does this man have to do to prove at every role he's been in and everything that he's had, you know what I'm saying, touched, whether it was the short roles in Smallville, the short roles in Dark Angel, uh, the years that he was on Days of Our Lives, the fact that he was the best thing about the boys last season. You know what I'm saying, and then just to run on Supernatural is cra- and the, f- the funny thing about it is, if they wouldn't have called it quits, like we want to step away from this role because we feel like these characters go nowhere else. Supernatural will still be on the air. Today.
0: <laughs> it probably would be, yeah.
1: <laughs> probably would be. So um, and and just the voice acting that he's done for the character playing mm, Bruce yeah. Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, just shows you that he's capable of fitting the aesthetic of what's going on. He has the look. You know, he has the tone like he sound his bat. His normal voice is the best Batman voice I have ever heard in my life. Like him just normally talking. So (laughs) so it works for me. And when we talk about age, let's remember. Ben Affleck is 50. And we still we still want him to come back and do his Batman movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's very very true. Michael
1: Michael Keaton is how old? And he just put the cape and cow back on.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we and we want to see him in more things. So you make a good point. Age is just a number, I guess. Uh, Marcelino says, I mean, James Gunn is friends with Michael Rosenbaum and puts him in his project. So if he's friends with Small Bill Lex Luthor, he might just make uh, Jensen Ackles Batman. Uh, definitely a possibility, Marcelino. Yeah. Definitely not. I, yeah. I'm definitely not saying that there's and, no way. I am just kind of <laughs> curious as to how Hollywood certainly views Jensen if he's capable of it. But I do think that he can pull it off. I really do think so.
1: I, I think they're very favorable of them uh, of the Winchester boys because uh, Jared Padalecki keeps getting work. Uh, J- work yeah. Jensen Ackles keeps getting work. So I think they favor them well. And they keep getting leading roles. You know what I'm saying? In the work they do. They They know what that is. It's just the fact that he's been holding out for this. As far as when it comes to the superhero world, because I'll be totally honest with you, if he, wasn't holding out, if he wasn't holding out for Batman, I think there's a couple of roles that Marvel would have had him for. But he's always mm-hmm. working. And that's the problem. Like mm-hmm. every time he comes, somebody wants to put him in something, he's doing something else. So I don't think it's the fact that they don't want to take a risk on him. It's the fact that this man is constantly working.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. He's constantly in something. Um. So, yeah, he definitely has He definitely has his value. Um. So, yeah, let's see. Let- AI, plug this man into the (laughs) plug this man in (laughs) and see how uh, a box office would do with him as the lead. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Jensen Eccles for years has been very open about wanting to play the role. He thinks Pedro Pascal is going to steal it from him, but maybe he definitely gets the opportunity to finally play Batman live action. Uh, again, like he mentioned, we are currently in the middle of a WGA strike. Not many people are currently looking that far in advance or really trying to, you know, do casting as of right now. Um, but, um, so we'll see what eventually happens, but maybe Jensen Eccles at some point in time, will make the short list, but let us know. Um, Is Jensen Eccles somebody that you would like to see as Batman uh, or do you have other people in mind? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below. And with that, uh, we will stick in the realm of DC for our last DC topic for the day. Um, as the the world of James Gunn's DCU continues to kind of come together, a uh, few months back we talked about the idea of a Swamp Thing movie. As James Mangold, in fact, did come out and confirm he will in fact be attached to that particular project. Um, so we got James Mangold coming fresh off of his time from uh, Indiana Jones Five. That has been wrapped i do expect that movie to be released here within i don't remember when um i believe um i believe indiana jones drops This upcoming week, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe next week, somebody in the comment section uh, dropped the release date for um, Indiana Jones. So James Mangold's got a movie certainly coming out, most notably known for his time on Ford v. Ferrari, which was a great great movie. He also fresh off of Logan, uh, which is an amazing film people absolutely love. He also did The Wolverine, the second installment. For the Wolverine movies also. And now he is in fact attached. To not only do a Star Wars movie. But also Swamp Thing. Uh, And since he has in fact been confirmed. To do Swamp Thing. He recently came out. And uh, talked about uh, his vision. For how he views putting together. A Swamp Thing movie. Um, So actually let me remove Indy. Right now until he comes back. Uh, And in the meantime. Let me go ahead and pull this up here. For you guys. Uh, This comes to us from. Um, comicbook.com, James Mangold sees Swamp Thing as a standalone gothic horror movie. Um, let me go ahead and bring this up and tell you exactly what he says in regards to this. Um, he says, um, Swamp Thing will be part of the DC Studios franchise reboot that's in the works, and the project has landed the Wolverine and Logan director, James Mangold. Mangold has quite a few big franchises on his plate right now. He's debuting Indiana Jones 5 this summer. It's also been announced that he will helm a pivotal Star Wars movie exploring the beginning of the Jedi Order. When it comes to Swamp Thing, Mangold will be tackling one of the most pivotal entities in the DC Universe. So how much is that weighing on him? Short answer, not at all. This is what he says. He says, while I'm sure DC views the Swamp Thing as a franchise, I would be viewing it as a very simple, clean, gothic horror movie about this man monster just doing my own thing with this, just a standalone. Mengel told Variety. He added that he's been toying for years with the idea of making a kind of Frankenstein movie. Um, before calling James Gunn and Peter Safran about doing something for DC Studios. Uh, It does go on to say um, anyone who has seen James Mangold movies know that he has a pretty clear signature of telling standalone stories with clear and pointed narrative, character, and thematic arcs. He's never been lured by the franchise universal model, even the Wolverine and Logan. Were each treated as standalone films, barely connected to the larger X Men franchise beyond the indirect references to past events. His Star Wars project is going all the way back to the beginning of the Jedi Order timeline, sidestepping the larger franchise lore almost entirely. Um, So, yeah, James Mangold really talking about how he feels and views this very much as a standalone movie, sort of in the realm of doing something very Frankenstein monster, uh, but still a very simple gothic horror movie. Uh, And listen, I think this is um, a really great uh, point of view from James Mangold. Uh, I do think that there is value in the idea of doing standalone movies these days. Everything very much is connected uh, when it comes to these big franchises. You know, one movie's got to lead into the other one. you got to drop these big sort of connective tissues uh, to, you know, bigger stories and things like that. And while I personally do think that something like – Swamp Thing will in turn lead to bigger things because it it would just feel odd for them to not tackle something like a Justice League Dark or to build up sort of like this gothic side of things. Um, Having something like a standalone Swamp Thing movie I think would be a really great sort of first place to start. Um, and if you are looking for that kind of standalone aspect, I think James Gold, Man, James Mangold has definitely improving himself in regards to creating those type of movies that is simply just focusing on the narrative. Um, and that's another thing out of this article that really jumped out at me is just the focus of where he is going with this character, because um, I do think at the end of the day. Your scripts have got to be incredibly successful, and you got to have some very powerful characters. And if that's really the only focus that James Mangold has to worry about and not necessarily worry about how am I going to connect this to this or how does this previous movie fall in line with this one, if you're literally just focusing on just the character, the story, and the arc. Uh, I think you might um, be setting yourself up very much for success. Um, And just really based off of how James Gunn's DC1 slate has been revealed, I already love the idea that each project feels very individual, feels like it is capable of certainly standing on its own. Um, But adding to the bigger lore of things, same thing when it comes to Supergirl, you know, Woman of Tomorrow, that seems very much like it's not connected to anything, very much a standalone movie to just establish these characters and most importantly, establish the world that you're now creating. And so for me, um, I love exactly everything that James Mangold is certainly saying in here. Clearly, he knows the DC Universe wants them to go ahead and make this into a franchise Obviously, you certainly want these characters to become popular and eventually get a trilogy. But I do think that there is value in focusing on just telling the first story and not worrying about bigger interconnected pieces, at least as of right now. Um, But Indy, when you hear this article from James Gunn, um, uh, how do you view it in regards to um, let me put you let me bring you back in here? Uh, How do you view his thoughts on this? I'm
1: upset because I feel like we had the perfect swamp thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you, if you guys have not checked out the DC Universe Swamp Thing series, it literally ran for one season. The first episode dropped and like the same day. They're like, "We're canceling the show after the first season." Um, but if you watch the season, pretty it was, compelling stuff, man. It was, it was, so, was good. so
1: good. It was so good. I, I'm listening to this in a standalone gothic horror movie. You know, you know how I feel about this. I keep hearing, "No, there's not going to be a Justice League Dark. You're not going to get Satana." That, that that's what that's what i keep hearing we, we have no plans <laughs> for constantine like like no don't view it that way that, that, i can't have no other way to view it everything everything with the dcu they keep telling me standalone 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 because they don't want to commit to creating a multiverse or you know what i'm saying a universe within their thing because they feel because they wanted to do it the way they did the last time when we, we keep telling them as fans you're rushing when they were when they were announcing all these movies, it might be moving too fast. It, it took it took it took the MCU ten years to build what they had, and you're trying to do it in four movies. It, it's not it's not gonna work. So now that everything is now they just keep saying everything is standalone, standalone, because standalone, They have a fear of saying that they have a universe because of what happened. Swamp Thing, as great of a character it is, he only stays entertaining for so long
0: so entertaining for one movie though
1: yeah but but you you want you want a character like this to have more than one movie with all the complexity and everything you know what i'm saying happen all the interactions that he has with other characters just just him being in touch with the green swamp thing is like an omnipresent figure you know what i'm saying in in the dc universe like you can contact swamp thing from anywhere in the world just by talking to a freaking plant the the (laughs) The relationship between Swamp Thing and Poison Ivy. I mean, there's so much stuff to explore with this character that I don't want you telling me that it's gonna be a standalone movie. Like it's just like the joke, just like the Joker movie. You know what I'm saying? I feel oh it's a standalone movie. No, I feel like that movie was something else and you made it, you put face paint on a guy and called the Joker to sell the movie. That, that 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 would have been the same movie without you calling it the joker without you know i'm saying the ties and everything like that it would have been the same exact movie you just wouldn't have had comic book fans going to see it um g- give us what we want i y- 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 give me this that leads into a justice league dark you don't even have to establish all the characters with standalone movies you could just have constantine pop up at the end like i need you for something you know what i'm saying because we know who the other characters are the, the, Keanu needs something to do you know what I'm saying like like, come on man
0: Indy I love you man but I feel like you're <laughs> talking yourself in circles here I feel like you're talking yourself in circles versus like we rushed you guys like you guys rushed to give us interconnected movies for Justice League it didn't work out you guys should take your time. And then when they are taking their time, you're like, no, but I want you to rush and give me Justice League Dark and Xantana no, no, sort of thing. That, that's what that's it not, feels like. You're no, saying
1: that that's that that's it is not just that. I mean, they have characters that work for standalone, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash. You rush to team them up to make, you know what I'm saying? This this Justice League when they could have been two, three movies by themselves, expect especially Batman, you know. We should have had a Man of Steel 2 before we even thought about a freaking Justice League. Uh, we didn't get that. But when it comes to character like Swamp Thing, we already had a Constantine. We already have this Lord that's out there. We already have a Constantine movie. You know what I'm saying? We already have touches of these other characters uh, stretched out in other movies. Tie into your animated universe. Make your animated universe canon into what's happening, you know what I'm saying, in, in the, in the mo- cinematic universe. Like, like like, it's ways to handle this that I think they're not looking into because like you said earlier, I feel like everybody's just worried about revenue rather than, you know what I'm saying, the enjoyment and the content of the universe. The revenue will come. It's like, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> like all you have to do is just build the world. It do, it really doesn't take much. This, this world is so rich. You missed out horribly on Green Lantern. There's so, there's so much stuff you could do that, that I've tried so often not to just be down on you about, but you are not. I. I this is what I think. After having such a great series and Swamp Thing, I know how the DC EU works. This movie's gonna be fucking horrible. What? Indy, stop! Stop! It. It, it stop. is. It's gonna. Okay. Uh, it's gonna be horrible. All the hype about the all about all the hype about the Flash and it's mid.
0: Like like it's mid. Well, yeah, no, I I get that, but th- we're talking about a whole nother regime change here, though, right? Like th- David Zaslav, James Gunn, Peter Saffron—they didn't make the Flash movie. No, but but they but they said it's the greatest thing they ever saw. I mean, granted, that's like, the, that's like the first. That honestly, that's like the first thing I feel like that's come out of James Gunn's mouth, that I'm just like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, I get the idea that you you need to hype up this movie as much as you possibly can. I, I totally understand that, but it's just way too overhyped. Um, I think it was the most ridiculous thing he had ever said. I, let me let, let me just push some some pushback to this real quick because I I think I I think you've lost it, bro. No, I think I, you've I, lost
1: I, it. Oh, oh, right right before you go, I think it's this. Okay. Okay. I think I think it's going to take me seeing Blue Beetle before I'm able to give rights to anything else that they're talking about. Like I I, ha- I have to see what this movie does. I have to see if it's going to go in a direction different, like they said, or if it's going to be more of the same. So let me say it's not the fact that I don't think that it could be good or try- it's just that I'm going off. Themselves. Of, they have to pull themselves. I'm going off a of prior. I'm not, I'm not going to hype myself up for failure. So I I'm going you. off of what I've been shown. You have to show me different.
0: I get you. And if anything, I would almost say put some expectations on Blue Beetle also. Because um, we just had this conversation, right? Like, James Gunn is literally saying Blue Beetle is our first DCU character. And while I I get the idea that it's like, hey, maybe he likes this movie enough to where it's like, look, you know, DC um, Blue Beetle will pop up again at some particular point in time. I'm still holding my breath for not only Blue Beetle, but also Aquaman 2. I think, if anything, my first um, expectation for what the DCU will be uh, or really listening to anybody will probably be creature commandos and Waller. Um, so they can talk highly about Aquaman 2, They can talk as highly about Blue Beetle as they want. But I know that those two movies came from a different regime. Um, And I get the idea that they just simply want people to go back to the box office to see these movies to help boost up what might come into the future. So I just see those all as talking points when it comes to Blue Beetle and Aquaman 2. I'm not going to let them get me hyped up for those movies, even though I'm already hyped for Blue Beetle. I don't need them uh, adding in more additional hype to these movies as, as far as it goes. My sort of bar... Will then be set once it comes to Creature Commandos, Waller, and especially sort of Superman Legacy, and and to just kind of just a pushback in regards to um, the Swamp Thing thing. You know, one of the things that I've enjoyed so far about that DCU Chapter One slate is that I think each character and decision to greenlight these projects come from a place of world building. You know, um, the idea that we are going to be introduced to characters that have never had the opportunity to be live action on the big screen before um, or utilized in different ways that we certainly haven't. And when you have a world that's so rich like the DCU um, and their characters, you know, I think you need a starting point someplace. And I think each of these individual movies is a starting point for those worlds that will eventually be expanded upon like you know i don't think a movie like guardians of the galaxy while i think they clearly had plans on that to be a much bigger franchise you know it definitely opened the door for like the cosmic realm of the mcu to be kind of explored and when you look at a movie like Swamp Thing, none of the other movies or series that come before are quite like the Swamp Thing, nor does it explore that aspect of the DC universe like any of the other films. And so I get the idea of it wanting to be a standalone film because you need to set that precedent. You need to set that world and establish it on the big screen have we seen that before in constantine years ago with keanu reeves yeah but clearly that may not even be coming to fruition anymore have we seen this maybe on the world of television maybe but have we seen it on the big screen for dc live action wise we really haven't and so uh, while i do think james Mangold's focus is to make this a standalone movie I still think what he establishes in the standalone movie will just expand that side of the DCU so that we could eventually get things like a Zatanna, maybe a new Constantine movie that will eventually lead to something like Justice League Dark. Because I do think that James Gunn does have a plan. I mean, the guy and them have literally sat and done a writing room to go ahead and create up the next 10 years of the DCU sort of thing. So I do think we will get to that point of – crossovers and seeing other characters kind of pop in and out of this particular world but i do think because the dcu is so vast you have to set up these beginning points and i do think that that's what the chapter one slate of gods and monsters is really set to do so i do think that we will eventually get to what you want indy but i do think that there is an an importance of starting off with standalone movies establishing these characters initially and then utilizing those solo films to then expand upon Now, not to say that we're not going to get a swamp thing too eventually but i do think you have to establish a beginning aspect somewhere um, to then eventually get to something like a zantana but we'll see We'll see how the, what formula they certainly come up with. But I do think there's some value in what James James Mangold um, is saying here. But I, I do think they'll eventually get to where you would like to see them get. But they they got to earn it. Uh, and I think that's going to be the hard part. But I do think creating these standalones is a way that you earn it uh, when your focus is just the characters, just the world that you want to create. Uh, and maybe it'll give them a leg up that they didn't have before. So that's just my well, thoughts. On. Well, I'm 40. <laughs> He's like, I ain't got much time, y'all. <laughs> I ain't got much time. No, I, I get you, man. That's why I was telling that's why I was telling Stuart the other day. When, you know, Marvel's pushing back some of these movies, like years, 2027, 20, like avatars, last film's not going to be released to like 2035. I'm like, man, I got to start popping my vitamins, doing some push ups or something because I need to survive yeah. for all these films.
1: Yeah. I, I had a kid too late in life for this. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I got too, way too much stress going on right now <laughs> to be Uh-oh. waiting
0: all this time for movies. Yeah, you and me both, man. You and me both. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. How do you feel about what James Mangold said? Um, let us know your thoughts in the comments section box below uh and we'll definitely continue to talk about this in the future all right and we got one last topic for you guys today Indy. that we're going to be wrapping up one that i think you're going to be eager to certainly get into uh last week i believe we talked about the idea of um uh one piece trailer the standalone or not standalone the live action one piece trailer uh dropped last week um to rave reviews i've actually been a really big fan of what we wind up getting from the trailer Uh, but the show is back in the news this week as we have been revealed the actual budget for one piece and holy cow is netflix definitely putting their money where their mouth is or their money yeah their mouth where their money i don't even remember the slogan of that but they're definitely putting uh, a lot behind this particular series in order for it to be um pretty successful um so let's go ahead and dive into this this comes to us from comicbookresources.com one piece live action has a bigger budget than game of thrones um and i think as we continue in the streaming world here as they continue to uh up the ante uh, more and more money will definitely go towards these shows, but Netflix is not playing around here. Um, so it says um, a new report shows how invested Netflix is into its live action One Piece series. Um, it says live action anime adaptions are never cheap, but Netflix's One Piece is taking its production to a whole different level. According to a report from Daily Dose of Anime, the per episode budget for the live action One Piece is a staggering $18 million, making it the most expensive series the streamer has ever produced. For context, the previous record for the highest per episode budget for a live action series was held by Game of Thrones at $15 million, while Disney's The Mandalorian nearly reaches that figure as well. While a big budget doesn't necessarily translate to a quality show, which I think is important to point out, the fact that Netflix has put this much faith and financial backing into One Piece is a positive sign for anime fans who have become accustomed to the streamer turning out half-baked adaptions, like the unfortunate take on Cowboy Bebop. Regardless of its storyline, if the visuals are as good as those in Game of Thrones or The Mandalorian, the money may well be worth it. Um... So, yeah, and it says fans got an early look at some of the visuals um, at the uh, earlier this month with the release of the live action trailer. While some were critical of its approach, citing its MCU style humor as a tired trope, others are impressed by the look of the series, which surpassed the low expectations set by previous anime adaptions. The trailer provided a brief look uh, with its gargantuan budget is going showing a CGI sea king and a glimpse at Luffy's devil fruit powers, neither of which seem to have upset the fan base particularly. Still, $18 million is an unprecedented amount of money for an episode of television with the first season costing a total of $150 million. Yes, Um, a lot of money is being put into this indie um i think you're excited for this series maybe i'm wrong though uh, i'm not sure if this is something that you and john have talked about or not but um um one what did you think of the trailer and two um what do you think about this budget
1: um okay this budget seems wild for people who don't understand um anime you know what i'm saying in manga um one piece is the longest running anime you know what I'm saying, in manga, uh, one of the longest, um, with over uh, a thousand canon episodes. That's no Jesus, film. Jesus. Over a thousand canon episodes, um, lots of content, and has one of the biggest fan bases ever. So when you talk about a massive budget, me and John would talk about it uh, on the pod, because we discussed it. It might not be enough. Oh, it might not shit. be enough, because of the following that, you know what I'm saying, One Piece has. Uh, me and him, neither one of us, when we first started talking about this, when it was revealed, we both said, we don't know, we have to wait on the trailer. And that comes from previous live-action releases of animated resolve. Let's not talk about the Dragon Ball movie that doesn't exist. Um, Death Note, like, the only real good one that we both agreed on was the Bleach live-action that was done. But the, but the Bleach live-action wasn't a Netflix, it was Japanese-made, you know what I'm saying, put on uh-huh. Netflix. And that's uh-huh. probably why it was so well-received uh netflix is hit and missed with live action so this right here for the one piece with us was going to set the bar for what avatar the last airbender was going to look like you know what i'm saying uh-huh. with that live action because it's spending a lot of money on that you know what i'm saying as well and we came to the consensus that it's money well spent um from what we saw they got the characters on point you know what i'm saying looking at the casting we ripped the casting apart when we just saw who they cast when we saw them full costume in the trailer, we went, oh, okay. These people really want to do this. I mean, the lead character that's playing uh, Luffy actually went and spit, like, time on a ship to learn how to be a pirate. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're taking these roles very seriously. The the visuals were clean. It looks like money well spent. And it looks like a true adaptation of the a- anime to live action the only thing i'm afraid of is the amount of anime and manga that they're adapting into one season of live action where mm. how many episodes is going to be because the one thing about that everybody loves about one piece is that if you see a character in one piece you're gonna know the backstory you're gonna know why they're doing what they are you're gonna see the character vel- every single character that's why an arc in one piece can last like a hundred episodes because they're going to let you know what every single one of them pirates is doing one-on-one solo with how they get through stuff through everything that they're going through so as long as they can uh keep you keep people tied into what may what makes one piece good especially for those who haven't seen it before that could probably create a new fandom for this because this this to me is where Anime is at its height right now in America that would have that ever been, right? Mm-hmm. This could blow the top off of it. And mm-hmm. this is what can let us have those Dragon Ball Super movies be blockbusters, you know what I'm saying, in the cinema and play in more than two theaters, you know what I'm saying, in each city. This could be the turnaround that. for, you know what I'm saying, anime in the West. And I feel like that's what they're trying to accomplish. They chose the right manga to adapt into a live action. And I'm just hoping that it goes the way it's supposed to go.
0: Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, Do you know how many episodes are in this season? Uh, we just talked about this. It's like Until, eight or something like that. I, I think, think it's like it's, eight
1: or ten. I think it's ten. I'm pretty sure it's ten. That's what I'm afraid of, trying to adapt what they're adapting in ten episodes for the arc that they're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I am kind of curious as to like, will will even the first ten episodes or eight episodes will that even encompass the first arc, or are they going to no. be reliant on the idea uh-huh. of a second two to, a season two to can kind of continue that story? So I am kind of curious as to where season one will begin and end. Um, you're definitely much more um, knowledgeable about One Piece than I certainly am, but one of the things that I mentioned eight oh, eight episodes, eight. okay, um, eight so e- eight which, episodes oh at a hundred and eight episodes at $150 million budget. So about $18 million per episode. Visually, I will say this while you, while you contemplate, <laughs> while you contemplate that, I will say, um, you know, one of the things that I immediately talked about when um, Stuart and I talked about that the, the, the trailer was, it's like, man, I feel like I'm already in the world. I feel like they've done just such a good job of the aesthetics and the set designs. I mean, the, the, the scope of this world just feels very much larger than life. And it looks clean too. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't look shoddy, it doesn't look questionable. It looks like the money that they spent, I can visually see it in the trailer. And for me, that immediately throws me into the world. I'm in love with these characters and their character designs already. Like I I want to join them on their ship. And that's just from the the great trailer and the great production value. Um, and the teases that we wind up getting in this particular trailer. So it's definitely one of me over, is definitely a season that I'm going to certainly watch and hopefully enjoy. But I definitely understand maybe some of the hesitancy that some people might have in regards to, you know, being burned by past, you know, uh, anime adaptions into live action on Netflix. But I do think also the idea of the creator being as heavily involved in this particular um show gives me a little bit more confidence. You know, he he did come out in an interview uh, several uh weeks ago or maybe a month or so ago and he talked about to the struggles that he's had with Netflix at, at times for them to kind of get on the same page, but just how determined that they have been in regards to truly getting it right. That at the end of the day he really has sort of the final say in regards to what gets greenlit, if this show even happens sort of thing, right? So I love the idea that he's managed to keep some level of control in regards to what this season uh, in this show could certainly be. And I think the fact that him and Netflix while at times maybe butting heads, the idea that they're able to kind of come together and create something and it visually at least looks this appealing and i've also got the creator attached to it, it gives me a little bit more hope than i do with other projects that i might have come in the past um to know that not only are they that committed to the creator's vision actually being shown but the fact that they're putting that level of money behind this dude's commitment to this show uh gives me a little bit more hope that they are trying to do, do things in the best interest of of the show uh, more or less than just the you know the 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 revenue that comes out of it i mean don't get me wrong i'm sure netflix wants this to, to bank for sure but i do think that their commitment to the production value and allowing the creator to certainly tell his story while, you know, I'm sure there's probably some corporate, you know, f- you know, hands getting involved, wanting to kind of change things here or there. If they can find themselves a really good balance and bring this to life, I'm definitely all for it. And just from the trailer alone and seeing how much they've put behind it gives me some confidence behind this particular series. But we'll definitely have to see. Again, big budgets do not equal great stories. Um, but again, I think the a, a creator being attached yes. says a lot.
1: This is the difference when I when I say that Uh, big budgets don't equal great stories, but big budgets equal great television if the stories were already written. So I I think I think the budget was spent on something that they know is already a good story and is already there. They just needed the money to make sure that that specific story was told right on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And like I told John. Microsoft is missing a major, major thing right here by not having like some type of licensed uh what's it called? The the pirate the, the, the pirate game uh sea of thieves by not having any type of licensed content for one piece right now in Sea of Thieves. Like Wait, say like that they, again.
0: Say that uh, again, I'm
1: sorry. Microsoft is missing out not having any licensed One Piece content in Sea of Thieves. And mm. I, I think Netflix is doing the same thing that this, that they need to do everything possible to make sure this goes off without
0: a hitch. Yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely agree with you there. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. Um, Blossom did say uh, what they're doing, a one piece live action. I wonder how they've got Nami. Um, so yeah, live action is certainly coming. Let me see when this uh, releases, because they've been, not only did they drop a trailer, they've been dropping posters um let me see release date it's probably what june oh august i'm sorry august 31st Yeah. one piece release date so august yeah. 31st we'll be getting it on netflix there was another
1: live action recently that was done very well that uh, live action movie that people keep forgetting about and it, that a little bit of money got spent on um little movie called Elite battle angel oh yeah so th- that uh, when when you say you want something that's going to be good I always set, set that as the
0: mark. Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, I almost wonder if like better marketing could have put that over. I think that movie probably just broke even financially. Um, I know some people were saying, man, James Cameron should have uh, directed that instead of Robert Rodriguez. Maybe the movie would have made a little bit more. But I thought Robert did a pretty good job to the point where I, I certainly wanted a sequel. I was pleasantly surprised when I went and saw Alita Battle Angel considering just how little – uh, marketing that movie did uh, I remember sitting in the theaters and walking out pleasantly surprised wanting a sequel and uh, as far as I know uh, for those of you who are big Alita Battle Angel fans they still have plans on doing a sequel um, so give us some time and hopefully we'll which, definitely get which, one with
1: something where this One Piece live action could lead into you know what I'm saying that sequel getting greenlit
0: faster and, I think, it, and, yeah.
1: and I think that was up against some
0: steep competition when it dropped too It it, it, it certainly might have been um but uh yeah uh, are, you, are are you guys talking about this on anime assembled on Monday do you uh yes
1: that? yes we actually cover this and we, uh, the the whole the whole anime assembled if you guys want to check it out Monday was literally about one piece and the black clover movie on Netflix so it was a big Netflix love fest the entire episode <laughs> I
0: love it I love it <laughs> um so yeah keep your eyes out guys uh for Monday for an episode of anime assembled with uh Indy and good old John forsaken um, so, yeah, definitely go ahead and uh, check that out on Monday. But, um, yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts in regards to the budget of One Piece. Are you hella impressed by it? Uh, do you think that this is uh, this means good things for One Piece? Definitely go ahead and let me know your thoughts in the comment section box below, guys. And we'll definitely continue those conversations with you throughout the remainder of the week. Uh, and comments go a long way for the the channel as far as, like, the algorithm for the video and uh, putting itself out there. So always like, share, share you know uh, subscribe and comment it definitely does go a long way um all right guys and with that out of the way that will wrap up all of our main topics for today but i think you guys know what time it is it's time for live, live viewer questions questions questions, questions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see here. Um, so for those of you who don't know, again, if you ever want to go ahead and submit a live viewer question, um, always go over to our main YouTube page, click on that community tab, uh, and your, uh, feel free to drop a question for us. And, uh, we'll always get to your questions at the end of the show and any questions that we don't get at the end of the show, we will definitely go ahead and make in its own separate video. So again, go over to a plus here report. Click on that community tab. Let me just refresh the page just to make sure I get all the questions here. Um, So we don't got too many. Uh, We got four questions right now, so we should be able to knock some of these out. Let me go and sort this from newest.
1: Oh, So Marcelino didn't go crazy today.
0: Uh, He's got a question in there, so we'll see. (laughs) Um, uh, First up, we got good old Peg C. uh, Also Ram Jam in the. uh, in the uh, live chat. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Hope you and your family are doing well. Yeah, we're not doing too bad. What do you think? uh, Who do you think will take over for Simon Bennett after Cosmic Fury? And then two, do you think live action Batman movie... Batman Beyond movie will ever see the light of day. And if so, who would you cast to play Terry McGinnis? Um, So let me start off with the first one with Simon Bennett exiting Power Rangers after Cosmic Fury. um, I think right now the the two people that I hear attached to a lot of the projects for the reboot uh, has been Jonathan Entwistle and most importantly, Jenny Klein. Um, Jenny Klein has taken over as showrunner, I think, for the reboot series that Jonathan Entwhistle is directing. Uh, and I do believe she's going to be the showrunner for the young or the i don't know if it's the kids programming or not but i do know that there is another power ranger project in the works outside of what jonathan Entwistle is working on that jenny klein um, is going to be the showrunner of so whether or not that's going to be the kids programming side of things or another young adult sort of series for it to work on uh, i do believe jenny klein will probably have a pretty big role, similar to what Simon Bennett did, but for the new iterations of Power Rangers. Datila, what's up, Datila? This says, don't forget, you can also show support by sending a super chat. Just like that, Datila. Thank you so much for I'm- showcasing the people an example. And again, remember, once you, once you do a super chat, you immediately get brought up on screen and we'll definitely address you first and foremost um let's see here and then last but not least do you think live action batman beyond movie will ever see the light of day Indy? and do you have anybody in mind for terry mcginnis <sighs> terry am i pronouncing that mcginnis yeah
1: it, would it weird for me to say uh jensen eckles no no nah, nightwing nightwing from titans
0: nightwing oh um brenton brenton twaits yeah homeboy okay Oh, yeah. I kind of take that. I kinda take that. That'd be like coming full circle. I mm-hmm. I really loved him as uh as night In he fact, was,
1: he was oh, go so ahead. good. He was
0: he so was good. so good. <laughs> he was so good. In fact, look, you know, James Gunn, if you're listening, if you need a nightwing for uh Batman Brave and the Bold, I would actually absolutely love Brenton Twaites to certainly come back. Yeah.
1: Who who would you come into that? Who who are we casting as Damian Wayne? Fuck, for that? I don't
0: know. I've seen some people suggest the kid from um I see the kid, but I'm sure he's an adult. <laughs> the guy from um Umbrella Academy. Yeah, he's like a grown man now, isn't he? Like... I don't know how old he is. <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but I'm he's like, got the sarcasm and attitude yeah, to be he's just like, a he's little like, asshole. Like he's
1: like a grown man playing like an 80-year-old man in a in a in a kid's body. Like
0: let's uh, I, let's give
1: it to a real kid that can grow up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I am kind of curious as to like how old their damian wayne is going to be too um you know i, I don't, i'm curious if they're going to stick to like comic book age accurate or if they're going to like just go up a little bit older or not um right. so we'll see um but as far as like do i think a batman beyond movie will ever see the light of day you know look i we've we've been hearing reports that the batman beyond movie has like has been dependent on getting greenlit as to whether or not the flash movie does successful at the box office and if we are to go by that we're never going to see batman beyond but there is just something to me there is something about the idea of like relying on whether or not you should greenlight a movie about a character that's not even the main lead of a flash movie and depending on that box office for so another character's movie to determine whether or not we should get a Batman movie like there are a ton of people that, you know, even if you thought the flash was mid, I think a lot of people really enjoyed Michael Keaton in the movie uh, for some people like I, I definitely enjoyed him along with Sasha Kaye and definitely want more of them. So I do think it's one of those things like, well, even though the flash movie didn't do well. Should fans that were really impressed with Michael Keaton as Batman sort of get punished because another character's movie didn't do so well when I do feel like Michael Keaton was one of the brighter spots of that movie. So I do think that there is an appetite for more Michael Keaton out there. And so I will say, yeah, I, I there's a part of me that would say, yes, we p- would perhaps maybe get ourselves an Elseworlds movie. I don't know how connected or if connected to the DCU at all. But I will give it like a 40% chance that we get ourselves a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton. Uh, what, what do you think though, Indy? you think we're ever going to see Batman Beyond or do you think his opportunity has been missed?
1: Uh, how many times this episode have I called DC stupid? <laughs> um, I don't understand why they don't think. See, this is my thing. I think in they're devaluing the name Michael Keaton to start off with, well, with anything. Because by saying like, we need to see how what a flash does before we green light a movie that could possibly have Michael Keaton lead is dumb. It's dumb. Go, it don't make you, no sense. To me when that. you go with his track record of what he's had the past, let's say the past six years, then let's not even go through his history of, of movies he's been in. Let's he was go,
0: nominated for an Oscar from Birdman.
1: Yeah. Let, let, let's just, just let's just look at this because you could build a cast around him for anything. So you're waiting to see what the flash does. For a co-star role that Michael Keaton had in a movie that didn't even star him, <laughs> that that you sold the people who went to go see that you sold off the back of Michael Keaton. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it it, it makes out it makes absolutely no sense to me because you decided to have a star you just you decided to have a star in your movie that was controversial, not on both sides because liberals and conservatives had an issue with <laughs> Ezra. So what what do you want what do you you have no idea what you want your problem is i can guarantee you have no idea how to do a batman br movie that's why you're putting it on the success of the flash
0: you know i, I there's a part of me that is hoping that this report is false again i don't know how accurate it is they have mentioned the idea that sources tell them yada 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 it has come from reliable i feel like the, the things that i have read do come from reliable sites uh news outlets and things like that but that just seems like um an idiotic sort of way to determine whether or not you should green light a movie. If a supporting character is in it, but the main leads movie doesn't do that well. So, so to me, it doesn't, to me, it just makes me, it does make me curious as to the credibility of that decision in the first place. Um, Cause to me, it's just like, if Michael Keaton is getting praise, if people are praising Sasha Kaya as Supergirl, I've seen a lot of people saying we want Sasha Kaye back as Supergirl, whether or not James Gunn actually casts her in Woman of Tomorrow, the Supergirl solo movie, who certainly knows. But I do think if there's a hunger, um, even if the Flash movie didn't do well, you focus on the positives and you expand upon those. And I think the idea of Michael Keaton getting the praise that he has from the Flash, I think should certainly warrant DC to at least think about the idea even if he's not going to be the batman of your dcu if somebody can put together a really great script and we can get ourselves a Else Worlds sort of batman movie of batman beyond i, I would be all for it but uh, it so i don't know i don't know how credible it is because it just sounds like a dumb idea indy <laughs> it just sounds like a dumb idea um i don't mean batman beyond a dumb idea but i mean just relying on the flash to to do that. It,
1: the, I I I don't know. It could it could be something where they, they put the report out there to throw us off the track too. They could be throwing again. Oh, Dattila, Here we go again. It could be one of the old wrestling tropes where they put false news out there to lead you off of what the finish is gonna be.
0: Wait, did, where'd you would you say that? I don't even see that in
1: the comments. You see that in the comments? No, I'm just I'm just commenting oh, on wrestling oh, because I know gotcha. it's, a bi- it's a big event today,
0: so I'm making as many wrestling remarks as I can. <laughs> I got you, I got <laughs> uh, Marcelino. What's up, Marcelino? Uh, what are your thoughts on the YouTuber Tyrone Magnus? Do you watch his videos or like his content? Isn't Tyrone, like, the reaction guy? He's the reaction guy,
1: but I know him <laughs> from, like, Dragon Ball Absalon. Okay. Uh, like, voice acting. Um, less than I know YouTube. I know he's older than us. Is he? he? Yeah, I think he's born like in he's like born in 76 or something like that. I know he's older than us, been around, but like, yeah, he does uh trailer reactions, different reactions to different stuff. Um, I think that's all cool, but I think that's a trope now, as far as like the reactions go. Everybody does it. I'm looking to see him as a content creator to do more stuff similar to the voice acting, uh, the voiceovers, or just different type of content because it's so it's so many more people. Don't get offended by this, Tyrone. If you ever watch this. But there's so many people out here that do that content and do it more consistently and better. Um, that I feel like he's more talented in other avenues. You know what I'm saying? That he could do other stuff. I like to see him do more of that stuff.
0: Well, you know, to be fair, looking at his YouTube page, I mean, the man's got 1.9 million subscribers. I mean, this mm-hmm. dude's about to hit two million subscribers. So he definitely seems like he's doing um something right. You know, I. I have not – it's been a while since I've seen his reaction videos, honestly. Um, you know, For me, if anything, I've mostly seen him from movie trailer reactions is what I've kind of seen him for as far as any other content that he talks about. That I don't – that I certainly don't know. But I think he's been around for such a long time and has such a big following that people will certainly um, – certainly give him the time of day. I mean, the guy's got um, unboxing videos, uh wild world news things that he reacts to try not to laugh Uh, challenges and all that. Yeah. So he, he definitely does try and bring different aspects to his reactions. Um, I just haven't followed his content enough. I don't follow him on YouTube, but I, I have enjoyed the reactions that I have seen, uh, in a while. Um, he also says, could you name a film that was a box office bomb for the first week or two? But afterwards, it quickly became a box office hit, grossing more money than expected. I I
1: personally can't. But I don't think anything is a
0: box office. But
1: anything that does it, I don't think it was a bomb. If it didn't make money the first two weeks, what I'm going to say is there was something more popular out than it running. And then when, the, when that died down off of the popularity of that, that's normally when another movie, you know what I'm saying, picks up and starts grossing more money off of word of mouth. A lot of times it depends on when you come out and what you come out with. But I can't off the top of my head think of anything. I can only think of box office bombs that were really good movies that didn't get enough credit like The Giver. And you know what I'm saying? Like oh, different yeah. stuff like that. I can't think of something that was doing bad and then all of a sudden did good. It's normally the other way around. They do good and then all of a sudden they do bad.
0: <laughs> um, You know, I will say the one thing that came to mind immediately When I saw this question, it's only because I I remember this just random ass stat um, from years ago when I read about it. But, you know, Avatar um, was not a big box office hit at all. Um, The original Avatar um, earned $26 million as opening night before earning $77 million through the opening weekend. So the movie made $77 million opening weekend. And it has now gone on to be like the number one movie grossing of all time. Uh, I think the movie itself had extremely long legs. I think it was in the box office almost a year, like 200-something days, which was just unheard of. Um, But Avatar did not do well its opening weekend, making $77 million, um, only for it to go on to be like number one or number two right now um, when it comes to all-time all-time gross. Uh, So I think that's a really great uh, example of first week one or two that didn't do too well but went on to make a ton of money. I think that first Avatar movie is a great example of that. Um, Let me see here. What else we got? Jessica Friedman coming through. What are you looking forward to seeing in the 10-episode fourth season of Superman and Lois? And how do you think they will write out Sam, Lana, and her family and John and Nat? um i don't know what about do you know indy any ideas i, I
1: have no idea kidnap them or have them just move i <laughs> have them move away like oh they moved she got she got a job and she went somewhere that, that's the easy way to write it off lana lana got a job somewhere that was going to have them better off because they've been struggling with money and stuff you know what i'm saying everything she got a good paying job and move
0: Man, I wonder how empty season 10 is going to feel. Um, I hope not too empty. I mean, I know they're not series regulars anymore. They're going to be recurring characters, but I, I hope they got to have some sort of presence in this series. I guess it's just going to be Superman and, and Lex with all the focus, huh? Uh, I, 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 have, I have no idea what this season is going to be for season four.
1: I, I feel like they're ripping the core out of what this show is, and that's going to be a detriment to the show because uh, the interaction between all the characters is what made this show enjoyable. It, it was it was juggling the emotions and everything that was going on and i feel like they do this a lot when they just oh we're going to cut the budget we'll take these people out not understanding how important those characters are to the heart of the show
0: yeah and that's one again that's one of the reasons why again we haven't seen the fourth season yet so we don't know exactly what the lower budget's going to make this show look like is that budget just really going to be cutting out the actors themselves but the visuals will still look incredibly great right don't really know what this series itself is certainly going to look like but it does make me think to myself like man if you got to go through all that work and all those changes to just give us a superman and lowest season four i can't get a gotham knight season two man you can't just move this shit over to uh, HBO Max and still keep the core of your characters and the budget up there. Moving shit over to HBO Max, man. Like if you're that worried and concerned about a lower budget, you know, go with Gotham Knights. But again, that's probably not going to draw the same eyes uh, or the same viewership and rating that Superman and Lois would certainly go. So I definitely get it, but it's just you know, I guess we'll have to see season four to kind of see how much has been undercutted out of this particular season. Uh, but hopefully, it's still a good one. Uh, Marcelino says they reduced the cast to continue great visuals but I think fans will look
1: past bad visuals since the writing is so strong it's the reason why the Vampire Diaries originals and Supernatural stayed on for so long did nobody care about the visuals they were more, they were there more for the story
0: uh, he also says it's a uh, great to, um, to, it's great that Superman Lowe's got renewed if only Stargirl got another season
1: it didn't, didn't don't they have a season coming on with
0: that I think they can I think it's done i think Uh, it's wrapped up already um and last but not least blossom remember how bulk and skull found out their identities in the in space finale yeah how did it how would it be if i had those two as one of our rangers secret keepers they kind of see the kids morph by accident um that'd be pretty cool of all the ranger seasons which ranger teams are most badass to you to me, all of them, especially the Rangers, I have a crush on. Oh, you can't, you can't answer the question, question. like that. You, you can't, can't just be- say all of them. Um, come on, how are you gonna Expect- make us choose? And then it's, you say all of them,
1: especially the question you, had, especially once you had crushes on. So you
0: had crushes on all of them, like
1: <laughs> you know, like uh, what?
0: Which Ranger Ranger teams are the most badass to you, Indy? <sighs>
1: um, man, this Mystic Force. Are we talking just Americanized? We're talking Rangers, not Sentai. Yeah, right.
0: Rangers. Yeah, Rangers.
1: Because oh, you know, I want to say Go Kiger, so bad. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah, I know you do. Uh, Mystic Force, RPM. Ooh,
0: RPM. I think is a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, I think SPD is very underrated. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, I'll go with. Um, I definitely want to go with. Um, uh, Time Force. To me, Time Force was pretty badass. Uh, I mean, honestly, the actor uh, Daniel Southworth, along alone, uh, was uh, pretty badass in that particular series. Um, so yeah, man, I, I probably would go with um, I probably would go with Time Force for me personally.
1: Yeah, uh, Frankie W off previous question said the Wizard of Oz and Hocus Pocus both did not do well in the initial runs, but over time became classics. I wonder if you count memorabilia, if they ultimately ended up making huge profits. Uh, wait, say so which ones? The Wizard of Oz and Hocus Pocus.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't even know that.
1: The fu- uh, Funny fact, every time people talk about Hocus Pocus, I don't know why. Like, I immediately, for some reason, get visuals of Ernest Scared Stupid in my head before <laughs> I go to Hocus Pocus. I have no idea why.
0: I like it. I like it. That's pretty funny, dude. Um, yeah, I, I honestly have not seen any of the Hocus Pocus movies. Um, maybe the first one, but it's been years. Um, so, yeah, to, to finish off your question, no Blossom, yeah, for me, it's probably going to be Time Force. Um, if anything, I love me uh, the Quantum Ranger, Eric. I think he was pretty badass on his own. Uh, but, yeah. Um, well, all right.
1: I'll Marcelino go. said SPD isn't underrated. It's extremely popular. It's extremely popular after it aired. But as it was airing, it, it wasn't that popular. And if you ask people who their favorite Ranger teams are, SPD isn't one of the ones to come off the top of the head for a lot of people.
0: No, oh, no, man. I think just so. talk. I think a lot I, of people
1: like it You, you are. You guys are diehard. Like, yeah, you I'm guys right. are diehard fans. You know We're what I'm saying? When it comes shit. to the casual viewer, because that's what they want to capture. Half of people don't know who SPD is.
0: Um, shout out to Justin. What's up, Justin? For coming through. I saw you pop pull up think. his name. I just to-
1: Justin, yeah. Justin Israel, man. That's that, that's my guy. He used to. Uh, fun fact about Justin. Used to be one of the best videographers, you know what I'm saying, in uh in Indiana. Had made some amazing visuals. I kind of wanted him to get back into that one day, but he's rich and living in Vegas. So <laughs> probably never see him again doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, that will wrap up our live viewer question portion of the show. Um, so not too bad, guys. Thank you for everybody's certainly their participation here this week. Um But, yeah, I think that will wrap it up for us today. Uh, Unfortunately, Stuart could not be here today. I think he went to a a pride parade. I think his uh, girlfriend took him to a pride parade today. Um, So he wasn't able to join us, but hopefully he'll certainly be back next week as well. Uh, But we'll definitely keep you guys posted uh, next week as to what time we definitely will be going live next Sunday for Hero Report. if anything, I believe in, you know, we've been talking about the rebranding of this channel for a while, still working on getting some uh, pieces definitely put together. You might have been able to see a little bit of a tease of it uh, on Indie's Secret Invasion review. Um, but if anything, um, I'm going to try and roll that stuff out um, starting in January. Uh, so we might have a, a, a different look here within the next several weeks. Uh, so some pieces mm. I'm definitely working on. Um, but, uh, we'll see how it all kind of comes together, but, um, oh. continue to support the channel guys. Uh, again, if you want to follow us on Spotify, there is a link in the description box below. Feel free to go ahead and like these videos, subscribe to the channel. If you haven't done so yet, and feel free to certainly share them. It definitely does help the algorithm. If Indy, if people want to reach out to you on social media, man, where can they find you?
1: Uh, at nerd mix alpha everywhere, but first and foremost, right here, a plus here report, make sure you guys check in. Stream my music, Indie Uchiha everywhere.
0: And if you guys want to follow us on social media, right up here at A Plus Opinions, very active over on Facebook, which is our main page. That's where we post all of our news, articles, posters, trailers. Keep up, keep you up to date throughout the week there. So check out our Facebook page. Uh, If you want to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram, certainly feel free to go ahead and do so as well. But uh, until then, that will wrap it up for our show here, guys. We'll certainly see you next week. So in the meantime, do us a big favor as always. Take care. Uh take care of yourselves take care of each other and keep it a plus we'll talk to you guys later bye